Welcome to the Main Deck Podcast. If you like games like Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Pokemon, Dragon Ball Super, Digimon, Flesh and Blood, and many, many more, you're in the right place. For all of our TCG news and content and links to all of our socials, visit www.maindeck.games. Now, on to the show. Welcome, everyone, to our final episode of the Main Deck Podcast for the year, our New Year's Eve episode 2023 Look Forward, episode 28 of the Main Deck Podcast. This is the TCG podcast that is uh, the one we make. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know it's true. Well said. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, This is a podcast for and by fanatics of TCGs, and I am so happy to have you here with us tonight. And today we also have the first time in a long time that we have had the whole crew here, four people on one podcast. Can you believe it? I have my friends, Ooh. Kevin Kerrigan. Hi, everybody. We have Mike Piper. Hey. And Jordan Syverson. Hello. Guys, uh, I have been looking forward to this podcast for a long time, looking forward to having everyone back in the studio with me. Um, I... Yeah. It's, it's just been so long. It's been nice. You know, it's been kind of nice, I think, doing all these one-on-one podcasts, which has given people just a lot of chance just to kind of, um, you know, get to say their piece. Because the one thing about these podcasts when we do four people is that sometimes there's just a lot of like sitting around and rotating as other people talk. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just, it's, I think it's really fun to have you guys all back here again. So oh, thank you so much for coming back. Happy Absolutely. to be here. Happy yeah, for um, sure. It's been a while. Yes, it's it's been a, for some of you. It's been a long time. Mike's been on for a couple of the uh, a couple of the look back episodes. Kevin was supposed to be on one, and it just didn't work out. And Jordan, you've work. you've just kind of been out of the TCG game. You haven't played too much recently, from what I understand. Is that right? Uh, that is correct. Yeah. So it's been just like it just it didn't make a ton of sense. But I wanted to have you on, Jordan. I wanted to have you specifically on this one because I know you're looking forward to the potential of playing more TCGs finally again next year. Yes. Once the once the big move happens eventually, I will be able to re-enter the world of TCGs because the place I live now uh, is Garbo Town, and the only two close <laughs> card shops or hobby shops nearby. Um, basically just support magic and they, I tried, I tried so hard to get like any other game at the store and it would be like, I'd start to get going, I'd get people going and then one would have like, oh, I'm going on vacation. So the other ones were like, oh, well, I'll, we'll wait till you get back. And then when they get back, the other two were gone. And then one yeah. of them just dropped off the face of the planet. One of them got banned from the store and like, <laughs> oh, just, like basically just <laughs> random yeah every single happened time there? i started getting things rolling like the group would just fall apart and then i'd try to rebuild i'd get a different group and then for some reason it would just fall apart again so i was like um i finally yeah. after gen con i was just like i'm throwing in the towel like i'm gonna be leaving and hopefully within a year and there's no point like trying because for me another big hurdle for me is the closest store is a half hour drive for me and that's if there's no traffic so like, and that's one way. So like, I'm spending an hour of my time just to go to the store, and then when I'm sitting there trying to do demos and like no one shows up, or I get the cool thing where they text me after I've already been there for thirty minutes. So like, oh sorry, I'm not gonna make it today. And I'm like, glad I drove a half hour here. I have to drive a half hour home. 
See, so, yeah. the thing is, you say 30 <laughs> minutes, and I live out in the middle of nowhere here in North Dakota. Like, I'm in the middle of the two biggest cities. I don't mind driving. But, Mike, when you come in, there's a tournament for you to play. That's the <laughs> thing. Right. That is true. We, like, in Fargo, we do got a pretty big, pretty wide community of the, the smaller card games. I mean, and the drive for me is much more awful. Like, I'd rather drive back in, back in North Dakota because it's like, it's a nice drive. You can kind of chill, veg out here. Nobody knows yeah. how to drive here. Like, I'm not just. I'm just not just Florida here. I understand. Yeah, like I've Love lived it. in like downtown Seattle areas and like Tacoma, where people claim like the roads are bad. I've driven in, you know, downtown LA. Nothing compares to how terrible the people are here at driving. A daily occurrence on the way to work, people use the shoulder, which isn't very big, to just go like. 20 miles faster than everyone who's already going 20 miles faster than the speed limit. And there's always like debris and like broken down vehicles in sideline or like random pieces of machinery. And people are just blasting what? 90 down these like shoulders and wow. the cops don't even stop them. So like, and they don't use blinkers. Like people just go wherever. Like it's, it's off. Wow. I, I didn't realize, I didn't realize you moved to Mad Max world. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. yeah. That's why there's no TCG tournaments there. Yeah, Just one <laughs> guy cool. on a car with a flaming guitar. Yeah. It's like, Hey, do you want to play my hero academia? Do you plan on like traveling anywhere to uh, like next year with TCGs coming up? Like any events that you're looking forward to, like a game or whatever? It's, it's maybe, I can't like plan stuff because I don't know exactly where I'm moving to. So I can't like buy tickets in advance quite yet. Yeah. I'm right. hoping to potentially go to the Grand Archive thing in Houston. Um, mm. For my heroes, since they wait until like two weeks before to announce their dates most of the time and their <laughs> yeah. locations, I would like to yeah. get back into it. But like, I've been so out of it. And like the online ones, I just wasn't having fun at the online tournaments anymore. Same, yeah, same. They're, not the same. they're not the same. Yeah. And no. like, they're fine as a supplement. If I have like in game turn in real life tournaments and, you know, playing. Right. But like when, for me, it was just like once every couple weeks I'd play for like a half a day on an online tournament and that's it. So, I keep saying this, but it's like, it's, I didn't even buy set three at all. I got, oh, really? I me got neither. four packs that I got for prize support for the last online tournament. And that's didn't even open them. Three I have. No, I did. I just keep them like, like wrapped because oh, I didn't. Gotcha. Wait, what? I haven't put them away yet. My hero. My hero. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I uh, I keep saying this, but it's like online events. I, I love that they're there. I love that people who have trouble getting to tournaments have an option to play in them. I love that people have a supplemental gameplay that they can add on to their like regular thing, but you just, the you don't get the same social connection with people. Oh, you don't cool. get the same investment feeling. And that mm -hmm. means you don't get as excited about playing the game. If that's all you really have access to. And, and that's, that's, that sucks. Yeah. yeah. And if, yeah, it's the same thing with fighting games and not to toot our own mm -hmm. horn, but the reason why I like the league setup that we have specifically is because it, you know, from a player, I like that more digitally because it's play at your own pace. You play like one game here, one game there. Yeah. With the online tournaments, part of the reason I don't like them either is it shuts down basically my whole day because oh, yeah. I have to sit there and yeah. then I wait. I'm spending a lot of time sitting at my computer being like, well, I could do something, but mm -hmm. the round's going to end in like some amount yeah. of time between now and a half hour from now. And I don't want to get doing something else and be like, well, now I got to close it all out, reopen, yeah. set up my cards. Like, so basically, yeah, just, it's, it's one thing. It's one thing if you're going to a spe specific location and you know you're going to spend all day there versus doing that at your house. 
Exactly. And I like, you know, when we travel for events, that's where we get some of our best stories. That's where I have some of my best memories. Like, I know Kevin and I, we're going to be, well, we may be going to Las Vegas here in March for the Dragon Ball. We're hoping. No, right? We'll see where the land charge qualifier. But I got some of my best memories uh, going out to these events. Like, um, yeah, Jordan, you're sitting there eating. How many plates of dessert did you eat? At that buffet, I think it was, it was like sixteen or seventeen. It was, it was crazy. Seventeen The best memories are at the Waffle House down the street from the venue at two in the morning. Oh, <laughs> classic! You gotta go to a Waffle House before an event, mm-hmm. after an event, like just yeah. And you lose that. Like I, I like playing digital, like you know, talking digitally. But I mean, sometimes you just gotta sit down with your opponents and playing the game and hanging out with friends and going out and doing stuff. And um, yeah, I'm hoping they do more tournaments. Like in, I, I don't want tournaments like in the middle of nowhere, like put tournaments in big cities, like, you know, Chicago or Las Vegas or, you know, so there's other things to do that are like around. UFS used to do. Yeah. What, what tournaments in the middle of nowhere have rubbed you the wrong way recently, Mike? I just can't think of any. <laughs> um, uh, okay, I'll talk about one. I'll talk about one. Go for I it. I thought about going because I really did. Uh, was the national Dragon Ball Super National? Now I know there's a lot of Florida people like, hey man, like you know, yeah, I know, I know, Kevin. You're like, hey, no. <laughs> listen. The thing is, is I wish it was like more central, central in like Orlando, like a bigger city. So like, when I go to that event, I can take my wife and I can go, hey. Let's go do this. Let's go do this. Let's go do Bro, this. Bro, it's Orlando. Well, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Disney you know, World out, is like, right there. Was, the event was outside of Orlando, like, from what I heard. Or, like, I mean, I tech, Mike doesn't even know what he's Kissimmee. talking about. It's, it's Kissimmee. It's like 20, 30 minutes away it, from that's like, not Orlando far at all. Central. Even yeah. I know that. I, don't, I, I went to Florida once when I was a kid, and I remember Kissimmee was close to Orlando. I, I literally okay. passed Disney and Universal to get to the venue. <laughs> okay, I've never been to Florida. So Mike has no idea what's going on. He's just throwing okay. allegations around. No, no, no. Honest, yelling at clouds. <laughs> the most excited I am is that they're doing the last chance qualifier for Dragon Ball Super in Las Vegas because I don't. Mm. I may not have been in Florida, but let's 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 keep it real. Like, let's be real. Like, there's way more to do in Las Vegas than there is to do in uh, what Kissimmee. Was that it? There's more to do in Las Vegas. Yeah. I mean, I mean, saying it's in Kissimmee is the same as saying it's in any suburb of Chicago or whatever. It's like, right. it's, it's a little it's, disingenuous. Like, yeah, Orlando's you're still, right you're there. still in Chicago. Oh. It's not Mike. It's not different really. <laughs> yeah. But also if you think about it, the reason why Las Vegas though is such a better place to have like an event like that is you got to look at it as uh, how many flights go out to Orlando. Now there's a lot of big cities. A lot. I think there's something down there that people specifically go to, right? Yeah. Some like a couple of places. A lot of big, like we're talking big airlines go to Florida. But what I'm talking about, Kevin, is like these smaller airports. Like I'm up here in North Dakota. Fargo doesn't. Okay. Okay. Now, I mean, I look. I get. I get. I definitely. Let me. me, Airport. You you want to pay double the price for less uh, flight times? Guys, let me let let me step in here. Let me step in here. Okay. I want to say that I agree with Mike's point that it's really nice when they're in locations where more regional level like airports and stuff have direct flights. Like I'm not going to say that wouldn't be great, right? But 
you also can't say that like Orlando is a place that nobody goes to or whatever. No, like, little little podunk town in North you just happen to be in North Dakota, Mike. And, yeah. and this is our, this is our price for living in North Dakota. That is true. It is. Yeah, we do pay the price on that one. It is. It's, hard. and you're also trying to compare Las Vegas to anywhere else. And like, La, yeah, Las yeah. Vegas's whole thing is come fly in for the weekend. That's like that's yeah. like their slogan, basically. You know, yeah. so like yeah. put more card events there. So then, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. This this yeah. segment is actually Mike complains that not every single card event is in Las Vegas. <laughs> Yeah. It's secretly okay. it's secretly because Mike wants to play some uh, gambling after the tournament. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he wants to go play one of those Farmville slot machines. Absolutely. Well, yeah, uh, and like yeah, and and listen, as someone who's been the Evo a couple of times, Vegas is a great place for events for sure. But I I, I do kind of understand what you mean as insofar as like Florida is so far out of the way. That like it's not like you're in Florida, you're in Florida, like that's it, right? So I kind of understand what you mean from that point. Yeah, it's on an extreme end of the country, and I do get like I like Indianapolis, I like Columbus, Ohio, and stuff. These are some places that major like Origins in Columbus, Gen Cons in Indianapolis. Those are places where it's relatively easy for a lot of the country to get there, um, which mm-hmm. is which is great. And yeah, when it's Florida, it's like you know, if you're on anywhere, God forbid you're on the East coast and you're like, or, or like Seattle or something, you got to fly all the way to Orlando. Like that would be, that'd be annoying. At least you're in North Dakota. You get to shave a little bit off that trip. Mm-hmm. I drove three hours. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not bad. At all. That's an easy trip for us. That's like, that's like us going to uh, Minneapolis from here. It's not, nope. not bad mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. I, I, between conventions and tournaments, I've made that trip to Orlando many, many times over the years. So it's like, it's, it's like a blink for me. Yeah. But Mike, um, I do hope that you are able to get to you and Kevin, both able to get to your Dragon Ball super event in, in Vegas. We have, we have a lot of good memories of your trips to Vegas. Oh yeah. (laughs) Jumping off the tower. Oh, we got to mention jumping off the tower. That was awesome. Jumping off the stratosphere. Yeah. That was awesome. Or yep. the strat. Did they call it the strat now? I was world's right. best cameraman for that event. I, uh, <laughs> I just, I couldn't muster up the will to jump out of it. Yeah, come on. I went skydiving. You can yep. do it. Yeah. Once I did, once I jumped off the strat, I, next year I went with my wife and then mm-hmm. yeah, I ended up going skydiving. You you can jump off. You can jump off. I, I'm sure. I, I I've always, I've always wanted to go skydiving since I was a kid, and I saw the original Power Rangers movie. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. Boy, We're I don't remember that movie down. at all. Yep. That was the uh, the opening of the movie. They all skydived out of a plane. Huh. Okay. It was the most insane. Like the best way I can describe it. Like it's the most insane roller coaster you'll ever ride on, and you can't have your face pointing straight down. Because the wind, you're going terminal velocity. Imagine like 120, 130 mile power wind just right in your face. And yeah, oh, it's crazy. It's so much fun. I mean, technically, you could look straight down, but your eyelids and your mouth would probably rip open a little. (laughs) And one thing I will say the Looney Tune cartoons got right. You know, when like (laughs) Wildy Coyote falls and goes, did you open your parachute and it was nothing but anvils? Yeah. So, Acme know, Corporation skydiving. Yep. You know how the ground it, it it feels like you're almost flying. Like they got that right. Like I mean, it, mm-hmm. it takes a long time for you to start going down, and um, 
yeah, it is like it's literally like you were you, literally like you're flying. So um, it's definitely on so my bucket fun. list. Gotta do it. Gotta do it, man. Gotta do it. And you can do it while going and playing in card events. I think I think what I like the most about traveling to events, honestly, is I the tournament I usually play in for like a couple of rounds and I drop out or <laughs> whatever. I'm really about the trip itself and and just hanging mm-hmm. out with people and especially yeah. if I'm friends with people who are like grinding. I like cheering people on. I like I like messing oh, around yeah. in side events and that kind of stuff. But yeah. um, but yeah, for me it's like it's all these stories around uh the the trip itself that I oh, 100%. That, that's why I do it. You don't. I mean, if totally. you're going to an event, and if you're saying if I don't win, I'm going to have a horrible time, or if I don't win, you can't I'm do that. No, you can't do that. I mean, you do that, you're just you're setting yourself yeah. up for failure. You 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 play your best, you have fun, and then like if you're in a city with cool stuff with your friends, you go do cool stuff with your friends. Yep. Yeah, and I I love like finding weird restaurants, like exploring like oh, yeah. hole in the wall stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, that's Man. great. Oh. Food, <laughs> everyone everyone went to super saiyan during uh nats oh i bet oh, so you got cool. it if you're down there for dbs how far mm-hmm. was that away from the event anyway like how far again was like 20 like 20 to 30 minutes 20, 30 yeah minutes. so mike it was basically in a different state for you yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah apparently jordan how going far? to his card shop was like going to the edge of the universe yeah. <laughs> yep <laughs> I'd be pitch, I'd be like hitching rides with people, or I guess I'd be Ubering everywhere. Lex that's Luthor you know what that's, the universe. This is the best part of this is that just a little bit ago, Mike was saying, "What you know, like I drive in to card events to locals for like an hour back each way every time," and then he's like, oh, "I'm yeah, not going to snow. Kissimmee. Well, it's nowhere." When I, when I have a car, like if I'm actually driving my, but the good news, I will say, uh, one thing that did happen this year, which I'm excited about, is my RV. That I got my RV and traveling with the Ooh. RV. Kevin, oh, yeah. you haven't been in the RV yet. You have not been in the RV yet. We got to travel on the either. way in, down and up to Gen Con. Yeah. Nice. I heard oh, about yeah. the RV and that's pretty much it. That sounds fun. I made changes to it. So now I don't even have to have the generator on uh, when driving to have the TV up, uh, up above the. Because what I did is I got a Class C RV and then I put mm-hmm. a TV up there where the bed would normally be. And now I've got it where you can, I don't even have to run the generator to save money on gas. You can play TV uh, or not play, play, play video games. Uh, right. You can watch TV. I actually have like YouTube TV and all the streaming services. And I just I use the internet from my phone. And you literally can just the whole way down there, play cards and everything else. So Play test like, on the road to the yeah. event. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, here's my take on that. <laughs> <laughs> I fix that. I fix that. So the thing is, the table. You, 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 don't you can't play, play Yu-Gi-Oh. You can't play Yu-Gi-Oh. Tier limit, tier limit mirrors where the entire board is just covered in cards. <laughs> yeah. No, you can't. No, no, I fix that thing. So what I did is, I got. You can get a foldable table, and literally the way the RV set up, like you have the couch and then you have the chair. So if you get that foldable table, um, surprisingly, that's super sturdy, and people were playing on that. Um, it's just that table, the kitchen table was a little loose. That's why mm. that was happening, Dan. So oh, now, really? Yeah. So now it is good. And I like it was my first year learning how yeah. to drive the RV. Well, if you want to go the next level, you could get a floated table, and then that will not move at all. 
Wait, well, like like in Star Wars, like that. just ho- a hovering table? Oh, well, it's it's something I use at, we use at our work because vibrations will like kill our systems and like make them not work. So it's Some a table that's, oh. that's floated on like air bladders. So any vibrations really? on the ground, the table stays still constantly. Cause Mike, you need this. Mike, you need this. You won't want that. <laughs> no, really I want it. I want table. it for Mike. We got to get Mike yeah. to get it. They're it's like, probably really expensive. Yeah, each leg is like a steel table. Like, they're like $1,000 a piece. But I guess you'd only need one because you don't need it for a big table. Like We have a big like six by four foot like steel table that it goes on. You'd only need one of the legs because you just need a card table. Yeah, we but need this. Be, that sounds really awesome. Fun. Doing the card because yeah, when, uh, I did two trips. Uh, Gen Con, and then I took um, uh, another um, card group in Fargo. We went to Kansas City, and yeah, we had it set up with the TV, and we were we were watching Beavis and Butthead on Paramount Plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I got one of those portable. Um, I don't know if you've seen them, but I got like these emulation box, like an emulation box. You can get them on Amazon for about like hundred. Like a cherry pie. A ra- raspberry yeah, pie. Yeah, like a raspberry pie. And it's raspberry got all the pie. Loaded. Literally, I took that up to my TV, and now you can just play any Nintendo game, Super game. Like, you can play any game you want. Uh, yeah, Super Apple Metroid speedruns. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. Can, yeah. If you want the yeah. ultimate gaming machine for that, get a Steam Deck, and then you can uh, you can upload any emulators onto it in addition to any PC games onto oh, it. Oh, nice. You, okay. you can make the Switch not run like crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Overclock your Scarlet and Violet. It's kind of funny. You can literally take the Switch game cartridges, and this is all legal because you bought the cartridge. You own the information on the cartridge. You can yep. legally pull the game off of the cartridge. The cartridge won't work anymore. And then you mm-hmm. put that into your uh, Switch emulator, and it, emulator for the Switch won't work unless you have a legal BIOS file. You can literally rip the BIOS files out of the Switch that you've purchased. And again, this is legal because you own the rights to those BIOS files because they're not they're not copyable. This podcast does not provide legal advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but the, these are these are a- attached to like the serial number on the switch, so it's it's still legally your switch. You're just moving the electronics from one device to the other. Oh, nice. Listen, as long as you're not playing melee, or else Nintendo will send someone to your house to break your legs. Don't play melee. Yeah. <laughs> it would it moved. So they'd have to find me. But no, the one mistake that I made, and I got to mention this, the one mistake I made is on the way down there, um, I uh, I filled up the water tank. Uh, oh, not the uh, water, Mike. Yeah, so I oh, filled no. up the water tank, and I've never filled up the water tank before. Normally, when I had the RV, we just used it for camping, and then we had, like, direct water hookup. So I filled up the water tank. I was like, hey, guys, all right, hey, you got water, you know, if you got to use the restroom or whatever. Well, um, that is, water was disgusting. Yeah, because I didn't know they winterized it, and it was still had the antifreeze in there. Oh my god! <laughs> so you're poisoning everyone. We, no, no, no. we smelled it. We smelled it right away. We were like, Mike, this is not good. So whatever's yeah. going on here is bad. <laughs> oh my god! No, so I was like, don't drink it, but you can wash your hands. And yeah, it was. I learned that mistake. So uh, I will say when we go on a trip, that'll be, I know how to do all that now. And, um, but it was just, you know, really cool. The RV, I'm looking forward to actually taking and going to a few more card events this year. Just taking that a does sound awesome. Just my, my, gr- 
My I grandparents will... had an RV when I was little, and I went on a couple of trips with them, and it was a lot of fun. RVs are a really great thing if you're able to get one. Yeah. I will say, however, don't RV to Las Vegas and camp in a parking lot. You won't have a good time. No. Oh, no. Well, you probably you, you of, might die. <laughs> no. Speaking of, my wife and I have been talking, though, because now that we have the RV for like two months out of the year, especially during North Dakota and the winter that we've had, that uh, you can actually get, um, they call them uh, monthly rates at RV parks. And then you pay the monthly rate. So I can literally drive my RV down there and just stay down there for two months. Cause I work from home. My work literally travels with me and my mm -hmm. wife, same thing. Her work travels with her. So same we just got to bring our computers and then we can, you know, yep. We're working in Vegas or we're working in wherever. That's so. awesome. Nice. I might go to Florida, Kevin. Who knows if the weather's yeah. good down there in the winter. Head on down to Kissimmee. Yeah, Kissimmee. Middle of nowhere. Yeah. They got a good RV park there. So as long as I got a pool I can swim in, I'm good. I, I also want to say. There's a lot of them up there. I want to say about, just like to make sure we're still talking about, like, you remember this is about card games, right, guys? <laughs> I mean, we're talking about traveling to events. Right, right. I'm going to I'm gonna relate it a little bit. I want to mention what we did on Mike's extremely shaky table that I'm very excited to see if is actually a lot a lot smoother now. But when we attempted on this very shaky table to play multiple commander games, actually, which was very fun with 100 card decks on this table that's shaking all the time. We ended up stuffing our decks into the drink holders and just like drawing cards, we were like we were basically like doing Yu-Gi-Oh like dual discs, but they were cup holders, <laughs> dual tables. <laughs> and um, and then like any time Mike started to get on like bumpier road, everyone was like, Boom, get your you know get your arms on the table, like hold on to every card. We're like bouncing around there, like okay, it's gonna end soon, it's gonna end soon. Okay, whew, we're good, we can play again a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're driving on highways, like this is ridiculous for the bumpy roads, but. When you're driving a heavier vehicle, the bumps are a lot more, like, they, they, they are more impactful. Right. Um, but, yeah, that ain't a problem anymore. I fixed the table. You're good. And then also we have, um, like I told you, I got that fold-up table. And we had the uh, Digimon crew when we went to Kansas City. And that's all they were doing, man, was they were playing cards the whole way down there. And what, what, you're going to have Jordan a floating is, table. <laughs> what Jordan isn't saying is that table is made by Kaiba Corp. Yeah, right. The floating table? <laughs> yes. Ooh. Yeah, it actually has a, a hollow projection too, and you like place things down. It just kind of projects an image of that on the on the table surface. Okay. <laughs> speaking of Kaiba Corp, I want to bring this up because this this has been on my mind ever since uh, we did our Yu-Gi-Oh look back episode with with Aaron Thompson a little bit ago. Um, but I am I am very interested in going over to uh, to talk to him and try playing some Yu-Gi-Oh speed duels out. Has, has anyone played that? Has anyone played speed duels? Are you for real? Yes. Speed duels are like my favorite part of Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. I buy all the products that come out. I love speed duels. No yeah, one okay. plays them here. Here, here are the things I didn't know about this. I did not know that the speed duel products were not randomized boosters that you just got to buy they the box you bought like um what's that they used to be yeah yeah now now they just sell you these box sets and you you can just buy like three of them and you have a play set of everything They're it awesome. doesn't it doesn't use the cards in the full game so when a booster pack comes out if you're just speed duel player you're just like okay like <laughs> i don't care <laughs> like whatever you don't have to invest in that and mm -hmm. according according to aaron whose opinion i do trust um it plays a lot more like 
classic Yu-Gi-Oh, um, just in that sort of like lower life point, smaller board, yes. shorter format. But it's a lot more like, you know, games go a few more turns deep and, and it's a lot more like incremental gains and stuff. It's um, it's it's based on a paper version of Duel Links, the mobile game. Right. Oh, right. Yes. Because it doesn't have, you know, Xyz, Synchros, Pendulums, yeah, da, da, da. Yes, it, it plays a lot more like, you know, Boomer Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, okay, great way to put it. I'm a Boomer Yu-Gi-Oh fan, and oh, I'm a fan head. of not having to put a bunch of money into a side card game that I just want to play every now and then. So I'm, oh, yeah. I'm he said he's got like 40 decks, and I'm going to go grab his Crystal Beast deck and play it sometime because I, I love it. I love I'm that so idea. happy you mentioned that. I will show you like my speed duel collection later. I got three of the uh, the midterm boxes that just came out. The Paradox mm-hmm. Brothers one. Yep. So, dude, that's all. I'm happy to hear that. I'll totally play speed duels with you guys if you want. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, I love. Oh, yeah, I love it. Have you guys? Wait, wait, hang on, Mike Jordan. Have you guys ever even played Yu-Gi-Oh? Have I? What? Oh no, I can't remember. Like when you were younger, even was like first, everyone played that was Yu-Gi-Oh my when first they were competitive oh, okay. card game, technically. Were you competitive with it? That was the first card game I was competitive with it. Yeah. Did you... oh, wow. I mean, I... as competitive as I could be, not being able to drive myself to events, but yeah. uh, and <laughs> yeah. living far away. But like my, that was actually the first time I had a fun interaction. And I'll tell the story here, even though this is looking towards 2023. We're gonna. We're look not back. even to that part yet. We're gonna look way back. <laughs> um, one of the first bigger tournaments I went to, I think it was like a regional level event, like back in the like early days, like set two or three of Yu-Gi-Oh! And I played, and I this has been burned Magic into my Roller. memory forever. I I wasn't as nearly as good at card games as I am now, so I was just kind of like, I was just over that stage where you're just like, I'm going to pick the cards that look coolest to put in the deck. I actually was like starting to do some synergies, but they weren't the synergies that were like good. And mm. I didn't have a lot of money, so I only had access to like what random trash rares that I got in the That's one the ultra thing, yeah. rare card that I had. So I, I did okay for the what was at my disposal but i sat down and it was like the last round of swiss and i was paired across this like seven-year-old girl oh boy okay how old were you at this time i was like 13 or 14 so i'm like double her age and i already knew there was something weird because her dad looked very stern the whole time with his arms crossed and he's just like watching the game and like said you know dad with a kid like maybe he just doesn't like cards at first but Mm -hmm. she first of all she outright demolished me she had like the ritziest <laughs> cards she had multiple copies of jinzo and like all the cards that like you were top playing rebecca cards. she had all these <laughs> cards but here's the thing she did not look like she was having fun and i found out why afterwards even though she like wrecked me like not even like there was no choice though no chance i would have ever won the game she made like one misplay i guess and at the end she like looked up at her dad while she was cleaning up her cards and her dad looked at her down and was like we're going to talk about what you did wrong during this game when we get home. Wow. And I was no. like, it, it was very, it was weird because it was very clear to me that she wasn't playing the game. Her dad was forcing her to play the game for him because he didn't want to be seen playing a kid's card game. Like a but dance like, mall Yu-Gi-Oh? Yeah, yeah, it was like, it was bad. Like, I found out later too and I felt really bad for her. Apparently oh, it was depressing. her birthday and she had to finish playing the tournament before she could go to her birthday party. What? Oh, is, is, wow. so yeah, and I was up, like, man. major was, swaps to that. It guy. was in Indiana, and I was like, it was maybe it wasn't like Gen Con time, but like, yeah, I was like, it blew my mind. I was like, what the hell? Like, this yeah. is the weirdest interaction I've had. Like, what? 
and like being mad that she misplayed on a game that she just outright completely trashed me. <laughs> it was it was weird. It was, it was wild. But that was that was my foray into like that. And then the next game I played semi competitively when I was like sixteen, I started playing Magic a little bit more. Mm. Um, and that's when I that's when I started playing more more games and Magic and then DBZ and above every other card game that I was exposed to at the time. So um, so was that dad just like you'll never beat the king of the king of games with that kind of play? <laughs> uh, it, it would have you felt, have to free it, him. We have it, to send him back in time. It, it, it would have felt better if it here. was because then it would have at least mean he had some jest in it. But he just he was way too serious about yeah, it. Yeah, like, that's that's. I was that worried really she sucks. was going to get like hit with a stick if she like yeah. actually lost a game or something. Wow. Jeez. That's, well, okay, so you have you have some Yu-Gi-Oh experience. J- Jordan, it's time for us all to get into speed duels. Let's go. I mean, when you mentioned yes. it, it's a little bit more no like, well, I was like maybe. <laughs> Especially since I don't have to actually buy like a ton of product. I wouldn't be against yeah. it because I, I I enjoyed the original like game. It wasn't bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. for it wasn't balanced, but it wasn't a bad game. It was fun. Was that yeah. my well, you buy like a starter deck and it has everything included then, and then you play yeah, them. Yeah, these box sets and they and they come with like a whole bunch of different like decks basically, and and you know it's like themed around different things. Uh, there's the show, so, yeah. there's some like multiple copies, but some singleton copies. So if you just buy a few of those boxes, you have the whole thing. And that's so there's they, also there is yeah. a randomization element to them of some like secret yes, rare foilings say. on on all- some of those cards. They all ahead, come Kevin. with a certain certain amount of pre-constructed decks, and then they come with the pack with like three or four random foils of the big cards in those decks. So you might get a foil blue eyes, foil dark magician, foil flame wingman. So that's Ooh. the random element that you get like the cool shiny thing from, but then the rest are just the pre-constructed decks. And can you use those cards in the normal game or no, or do they got different card backs? Here's the thing. You can use speed duel cards in regular Yu-Gi-Oh, but not the other way around. They all have like a watermark on them saying that they're for speed duels. Um, so yeah they they can be ported into the regular game but the regular game cards can't be all your speed duel cards must have that speed duel mark on yeah and um it's kind of like jordan was saying i tried to get people into that for a long time and it's like it was just what's really crazy about that if you look in europe because the the design team that handles speed duels is konami europe so oh. their prize support is the coolest stuff I like ever seen. Like they were giving out like millennium items. And you remember in battle city where they had the plastic locator cards that you would get to like make it to the finals. That was some of the prizes they had over there. EU speed duel prizes were so cool. We never got that over here. Are, are they still doing, I mean, I assume they're still doing events in the EU and everything. That I don't know 100%, but Konami, well, they came out with that new box that I just said. They have expressed expressed interest in, like, doing more with Speed Duel because it came out, they did a little bit, and then it kind of died out. And then they brought it back, which kind of surprised everyone. I thought it was, like, really dead before the last box came out, but they seem to have interest in it. So even if it's, like, a big side event at, like, the bigger Yu-Gi-Oh events, like, I would totally go to a Yu-Gi-Oh regional just to play Speed Duel. As long as it's not far away, like in Kissimmee. Oh, yeah. Then that's, you know, might as well be on another planet. Yeah. <laughs> this is never going away, Mike. Never. It's never oh, dying. Now, now I'm going to have all the Florida folks who are going to side me and go, what do you have against Florida? Why don't you want tournaments here? And I'm going to no, this, I didn't this, that. this podcast sponsored by the Las Vegas Tourism Board, but not Kissimmee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh <laughs> uh, man. Okay, but yeah, like like to our audience out there, if if uh, Yu-Gi-Oh Speed Duel sounds good to you, let's you know let's make sure they're getting the support because I really I really like a the this sort of side product for your game that doesn't require you to invest in like booster boxes and packs and everything. It's a way to enjoy. I I really think I've you know I've had my fair share of qualms with konami over the years there's no doubt about that no i mean it's putting it lightly right but but the fact is this is this is the first thing i've really heard about that's like it brings back what i loved about the original Yu-Gi-Oh, the feeling of the original Yu-Gi-Oh and everything just like that boomer Yu-Gi-Oh that i fell in love with when i was a lot younger but in a product that is actually like a player friendly product to to pick up on the side like Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know support the things that are that are done well and i think this is one of the things that's done well so i'm yeah. gonna i'm it definitely really should gonna be bigger than it is honestly yeah i'm gonna take aaron up on his offer i'm gonna go i'm gonna go meet them at one of their events yeah. and i'm gonna play some speed duel like i gotta do that it's it sounds way too fun mm-hmm. now the one thing that i really want them to do which is like a pipe dream that'll never happen is i want them to bring rush duels over here what's that do you, any of you guys know what that is you're the only so one. The, the, <laughs> the most recent Yu-Gi-Oh! anime, which isn't even available in America, is called Yu-Gi-Oh! Sevens. Oh, this is underground. A, huh? This is an underground oh. thing. Yeah. It's only in Japan. They haven't dubbed it over here yet, but they're supposed to. Um, there was a game on the Switch that came out a little while ago that has Rush Duels in it. So if you're interested, you should check that out. It's a fun game. But it's a new format for Yu-Gi-Oh! where essentially... You can summon as many monsters in a turn as you want, and you draw up to five cards at the start of every turn. So the whole thing is that it's fast, and you can make comebacks a lot easier, and it's super fun. Okay, so like that reminds me a lot. In in Arena, they sometimes do omniscience format events where you... um, Well, it's this is definitely different, but this for Magic, it's like you you start with a three-card hand, and you, you... can play anything for your hand from your hand for free. Um, and you get five, you get one mana of each color every turn for like activated abilities and stuff. Um, but yeah, like your first turn in that game is sometimes like, uh, like, uh, play this thing to draw to play this giant monster, play this enchantment. Um, and I'll save this instant for your turn pass. And they do something you're like, okay, counterspell, like whatever, like, and you're just like, you can do whatever you want. It's, it's a wild format, but you don't draw up to five. That sounds really crazy to me. Like, I, yeah. Don't you just like dominate your opponent like on the first turn? How does that not happen? Well, you still can't attack on your first turn. Right. Okay. Fair, but, fair um, enough. So what? It, it, it's kind of reminiscent of speed duel. So like in one turn, you can summon two level fours and then summon a level eight in the same turn. And a lot of cards sure. in rush duels have effects that work like when they're in the graveyard, things like that. And um, another thing that's really cool about it is that they have these cards called ultimates. And usually they're older cards like Blue Eyes, Dark Magician, or even Pot of Greed. And those are basically the secret rares in the game where you can only have one of them in your deck. Okay. Oh, like only one of any of them. You have to pick one? Of any of them, yes. So you can choose to have one Pot of Greed in your deck. And the card art, because the art on the card is bigger because there's less text, it looks really cool. And so for then those just, who are int- just to confirm, Go so ahead. if I pay, if I play pot of green in my deck, I'm giving up on like Raigeki or whatever. It's like, it's like, I exactly. just pick any one of them and put it. I like, I always like that mechanic. That's a, that's a fun mechanic. Mm-hmm. 
it's really cool. And if people are interested, the because it's the first anime that switched animation studios, so it looks a lot different. It looks a lot more like Vanguard, and that threw a lot of people off, myself included. But if you give it some time, it's actually a really good anime. It starts hmm. off a little slow, but it gets really good. Okay. Wow, cool. A little, little, uh, little deep Yu-Gi-Oh take from Kevin there. I like it. Um, and and which which Switch game was it? Was it that uh, Legacy of the Duelist? Was that the one that has Rush Duel? No, no. It's one? called, I believe it's called Dawn of the Rush Duel or something like oh, that. Well, if you just Google like, on the nose, yeah. Switch game Rush Duel, it'll come up. Sure. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I love I love these Yu-Gi-Oh deep takes here. Now it's time it's time yeah. to switch main deck to be an all Yu-Gi-Oh speed duel channel. I, I hope you guys are ready for it. <laughs> oh yeah. That, it's funny cuz I I always say my favorite ways to play Yu-Gi-Oh is not playing Yu-Gi-Oh. It's all of the side games that I really like. <laughs> yeah. For a long time my favorite way to play Yu-Gi-Oh has been just playing World Championship 2004 on GBA, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe it's time to change that. Aaron tells me crystal beasts is a, is a top deck in the speed duel format. And I am very excited about that. Cause that outside of that, like OG period of Yu-Gi-Oh mm -hmm. with, with beat where beat down was King and whatever. Um, my favorite era was the, that, that kind of GX era into into early Zexel and stuff where like things were getting like really kind of kind of wonky there were synchros and X's added like i like X's. i think X's are a really good mechanic actually right. in the game um i also think that new what is link link summons are also like a like a fine mechanic but i'm gonna be a super mm -hmm. boomer and be like pendulums are wild and i don't i don't i don't want to understand it's them okay because they're bad so nobody <laughs> plays them anyway <laughs> there's like a pendulum deck that dominated me in master duel at one point but like mm -hmm. yeah it's, it feels like it seems like you have to have like a pendulum focused deck to do any pendulum stuff which Pen makes sense deck. But, um, but I liked that, like when they added XCs and it, like right when they added synchros, they were, I think they were a little more like you kind of had to play like tunery stuff. But then after mm -hmm. a little while, it kind of became, you could slip a couple tuners and some like E teleports in your deck and like have like access to a little synchro engine and stuff. And that kind of stuff was that and like building specific XCs into your extra deck and stuff provided, I thought really fun deck building options to Yu-Gi-Oh, which is right. I really like that era of it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Yeah, well. I'm excited to get some speed duels in. Oh, and all, another thing, if you're interested, um, every one of the big webcam Yu-Gi-Oh events that they have, I forget what the official name for them is. They have them like, you know, a couple duel. of times a year. They always have speed duel side events where you can win prizes. Nice. I almost topped one of them that I entered. I made it to finals and I didn't get it. Oh man, that's oh. awesome though. Congratulations still on making it to finals though. That's great. Yeah, oh, thank you. It was a long time ago. I was using Kaiba Xyz deck. Kaiba Xyz? Yeah, yeah, XYZ Dragon. Oh, 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 the, the XYZ Dragon Cannon. That what you're talking yes, about? Yes, yes. Oh, mm -hmm. baby, that's sick. Yeah, because Kaiba's, <laughs> I mean, I call it his skill card, which is, you know, the big thing in Speed Duel. They all have, you know, skill cards that you can use. It was an easy way to cheat the X, Y, and Z on the field. So you can get it out a lot faster. Nice. I, if you, it's so after my heart to hear that you can play X, Y, Z dragon cannon in this, in this mm -hmm. game. Hey man, I'm playing an elemental hero deck. I love it. Yeah. E heroes are fun too. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'm checking this out for sure. Um, so that is something that I'm doing in 2023. This is you guys ready for my segue. Um, Dang, nice one. <laughs> I think, I think now it's about time to transition to our actual topic for the day. Now that we're done. Well, we're not done making fun of Mike for talking about kissing me. 
but it's it's gonna we'll it's gonna be. keep happening. But we're counting on how many times we're doing that. I think we're up to three now. Three, Perfect. So we'll it's gonna get higher. Um, let's talk about 2023. Okay, so if you guys have listened to all the other podcasts, we 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 started with eight podcasts, all looking back at eight different games in 2022. And by the time you're hearing this, all of them have aired. Um, and so you had the opportunity to listen to all of them. You might not have had the time to listen to all of them because, oh my God, I'm sorry. There's just like some of these, like the magic one, we had to talk for two hours and 45 minutes about magic because I, think I added them up and it's about the length of the Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> it's it's one just Lord the trilogy. Of the Rings no, no, no. Cut. It's yeah. It's, it's Lord of the Rings extended, and that's maybe I don't know. I think it's longer than that. There's there's a whole lot to go through um, with a lot of these games, but especially games like Magic, where they had like six thousand releases and and a oh. million noteworthy news events and things we had to talk about. But um, I had a ton of fun with that series. We had a whole bunch of guest um, guests co-hosts on, just like getting some people from the community. We had. Uh, we had old Metamaniacs um, contributor Alex Truel was on this. We've had patron uh, and and uh, big proponent of our network, Jason Toro, was on the Pokemon one. Um, I oh, got man. friends from our local community. The guy who runs our local magic events, Dana Mickelson. We got a guy who runs our local Yu-Gi-Oh events, Aaron Thompson. So like, just like lots of cool people got to hop onto this podcast. Um, and uh, oh, I, I since I basically mentioned everyone else on the Draw Games. Um, uh, was a guy who was really supporting us in our initial streaming push too, and and loved supporting Main Decks League events. And he came on for Final Fantasy. So yeah, I mean, we just had like it, it was a ton of fun doing all those episodes, and really, you know, it, it I think it really encapsulates the year for a lot of those card games very well. And and honestly, my takeaway from this was a lot of games had a very good year in 2022. Actually, um, mm-hmm. 2022 was kind of like a you know we we just got back from COVID like. And it can finally start playing in-person events for all these games. And COVID had just such a weird impact on the card game world in general. Like there's this whole outside thing of like the MetaZoo Kickstarter and then like that kind of launching, but like, but that actually launched like a Kickstarter frenzy for TCGs, which, which we're seeing the impact of here coming in 2023. Um, And then the like, just the sort of like crypto bro speculation and how that tied into people in the U S having these, you know, these um, checks that we're getting in the mail of the pandemic pandemic fund money that everyone got. And then like (laughs) turning into card game um, card game prices just going like crazy and people starting to like take notice. There's like all these sort of intertwining elements that then made 2023, I think just a, or sorry, 2022, just a, an exceptional year for a lot of games where a lot of games had like, good growth had put out new ways of getting players in, getting players back into events and everything. Um, and now as we look forward to 2023, we're looking forward to, um, honestly, I think a really unprecedented year for TCGs with a very large amount of very big deals in the TCG world coming out, I think, as well as all of these games, like really, taking advantage of a solid year of growth in 2022. I think the TCG industry in general is just like up, you know, more compared to usual. And I think everyone's taking note of it and uh, the companies are pushing in more things. Um, So there's, there's a lot to talk about from new games to the, the old games and, and where they are, uh, where they're planning on going from digital platforms to um, games that are, 
currently announced for Japan and who knows if we, you know, if or when they're coming to the U S so we have a, uh, Kevin's got a fancy look on his face when he said that um, we, we have some, uh, I, I just like a lot to talk about here. Does anyone, I'm just going to open the floor. Who wants to talk about what first go ahead and throw it out there. Uh, Mike, well, future? like why you want me to start? I mean, yeah, go for it, Mike. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so card games that, um, I think the first thing to kind of talk about would be, uh, I don't know, Dan, you want to get into Grand Archives? All right. Well, we'll talk about it because it's, that's probably the biggest one, especially of the Kickstarter games for, yeah. So the Kickstarter thing's really interesting to try and watch as far as like, like which games are going to hit it big because Grand Archive was, Grand Archive was one of the TCGs that performed the best. Um, as in that early push of TCGs, like right after MetaZoo was successful and then a bunch of games started like hitting Kickstarter. We had games like Akora, which did like, okay. We had Polywog, which I I think that that game just like, like is completely gone now at this point. I'm not sure. D Spirits is having like weird, like sort of like floundering with a second Kickstarter and stuff. And it would like going for a digital game. I don't don't really know what's going on there. That's a kind of weird area. But then like we had... Mm -hmm. Two games, Nostalgics and Grand Archive, that hit at the end of the year in 2021 um, and pushed into both doing quite well. Of those two, um, I've been trying to see what's going on with Nostalgics, but it feels like they didn't quite find the footing competitively. I could be totally wrong. Don't, don't roast me in the comments. Um, just like, let me know like stands if you, yeah, well, I mean, I know there are some and if, and, but like just doing all my research, I could, it seemed like they, it seemed like that was a game that like came out to the Kickstarter fans, but I'm not sure it's really caught on in distribution yet. And maybe that's still coming or something, but, um, grand archive hasn't, hasn't gotten into hands yet, but it does feel to me like there's, there's a little more, meat on its bones than there was for nostalgics. Um, But following Grand Archive, then we had Sorcery, which did extremely well. Alpha Clash has been doing very, very well. There's a number of other, like uh, Rise did, Rise did pretty well, but Rise, I think is is an interesting, um, almost indie, still kind of indie looking game. And I'm I'm not quite sure where some of these games are going to land. The thing is when these Kickstarter games finally come out, I feel like sometimes they land in the Yep, that's like an indie TCG. Yep, that like that's it was kickstarted and that's where it is. And sometimes I think they can actually like make that transition from an indie Kickstarter TCG to a full distribution like regular TCG. Wow. Of all mm-hmm. the games I've seen, um Grand Archive is the one with the most progress towards that. I don't count out any of the other ones yet that that haven't launched or even like some like Nostalgics may be able to make that transition if they really like redirect things, but um but of all those games, Grand Archive is the one that seems like that company is doing the right, making the right moves, making the right steps to wow. get it to reach a wider audience and get into distribution's hands. Um, and importantly, support it with a very strong, like, you know, player focused, organized play network mm-hmm. to help grow it at a, at a local level. So um, so wow. here on Main Deck, we're very excited about that. Um, Mike, you attended our uh, our launch party we got to host, which is our pre-launch party, I should say. Yes, I did. Yep, I got my. Uh, I actually got it handy. I've been. Uh, wait, oh, there there's it. your camera. Yeah, nice. yep, there's my camera. So yeah, I've been uh, playing around with the Rydex, and then uh, yeah, then I seen that they finally just released what all the cards are going to be for the first set, and yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to be going water ride. Okay, and, my I, you kind of went under a like into an aquarium there for a little bit, but I turned into the a audience robot for a second. Yeah. Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think it's better now. Said water. I probably said water ride. That's why. That's why. 
Yeah. Um, so well, you mentioned you mentioned that the index just released. So they released the full set list for the game, and um, I I painstakingly spent six hours recording an entire <laughs> an entire <laughs> review, madman of Dude, the entire set. And I watched I watched the SR video. I watched the UR the URSR. I watched the rares, and then I watched the uncommons. And, I'm just and then common released right before we started recording this, actually, yeah. too. So. Yes, yes. And I will just say, I'm just a little disappointed I didn't get mentioned in Piper's Lullaby, but that's, that's, that's okay. I'm so that's sorry. Cool. That's, so, it just, that's, that's cool. That's cool. But It did no, actually I, occur to me when I was recording it, though. I almost mentioned you. I almost said, this is a card that our uh, main deck, Mike Piper, is really excited about because his name is in it. But then I just right. thought... I got like there was so much to talk about. I just didn't want to spend extra time like running over that basically. Yeah, the one thing though <laughs> that I personally like about Grand Archive, which is what I'm looking forward to for next year, and I'm hoping that it takes off. It's like especially when the first set came out. Normally, like when new games come out, there's not much variety, and you're just like, eh, okay, you're gonna play, you know, there's just 288 cards. But what I didn't know was not only did they come out like so at the beginning of the game, you got to choose: are you gonna go wind, water, fire? And you're not playing the normal one. I, there's no. I advantage. mean, no, you're not I'm playing, playing Lost Spirit. No, you're gonna lose. Regardless, but first you gotta choose. Okay, are you going fire, wind, or water? Then you have to choose your champion, and then even when you choose your champion, there's a different level three, and there's mm-hmm. just all these different strategies. Just not even looking at your deck. Just and the there's a lineage break as well. What now? And there's yep. lineage break cards as well. Oh, and the lineage, yeah, the lineage break cards, exactly. The level, I think the new level two is like the Merlin. Yep. And, and yeah, for those, for those who don't feels- know, the lineage break is at level two. Instead of staying the same character, you break the lineage and you turn into a different character, which has a different set of abilities and a different play style. Yeah. It, it feels a lot like uh, Panini and Scorzy, where it was like you have the base character, but you can play them with different masteries. You can swap out Bingo. different levels. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really like that. It's so, like they put the, the character stack and the mastery together because your original element is kind of mm-hmm. like choosing your mastery, mm-hmm. and then yeah, you're Tokui Waza. Tokui Waza, that's right. Uh, well, um, so yeah, I'm the mo- I'm I'm really hyped for that game. Like, uh, gonna be uh, getting cards for that. Um, but Mike, yeah, you I, mentioned please. you mentioned that you. I, I want to talk about this a little bit because so I found that going spending turns out spending six hours painstakingly trying to review every single card for people. Um, I'm, I'm actually, I'm very much a person who learns as he like talks about things, which is kind of why I like to talk so much about stuff too. So I, I feel like I really, I have a much better understanding of kind of what, what their aim is with like every card in the set, basically, and what they're, what they're going after, after I did all that. Um, and one thing I noticed, so like early on, one of the things I heard people ta- chatting about in the community was, you, you know, you pick you pick your element, like you said, water, wind, or fire. And a lot of people are like, okay, where's earth? Like, first of all, like, st- like why are there only three? Like, that kind of thing. Uh, what I noticed going through this was that, and I mentioned this in a few of these videos, um, really what they did there, and I think this is very clever, is... If you like playing aggro, you, you're probably oriented towards fire. If you like playing control, you're probably oriented towards water. And if you like playing mid-range style decks, you're oriented towards wind. Yeah. Um, and every every element seems to have cards that really fit there. Water tends to have more um, like tempo gain, more uh, more just kind of like 
freezing things, slowing the game down, um, messing with your opponent's memory, stopping them from doing things like that. Fire has a lot of straight damage, ways to remove things that are like protecting your opponent, um, ways to just push damage through, make things unpreventable. And then wind tends to have... Um, it's it's a little in between. It's got some aggro aspects. It's got some controlling aspects, and it's also got a big focus on like gaining advantage through like a lot of the extra wind effects are like put this card back into your memory or or uh, blink an ally you control that in like ideally it has like an on enter ability so it gains yeah. you something when it comes back Recursion. into play stuff so, like yeah yeah these are and these yeah. are very like mid-range stuff you're like if you can think of any like magic the gathering mid-range deck or something it's all about just like like gaining value you know on all your plays and wind is really about that too and i yeah, actually the other thing i looked at too when i was looking at the, the rules because i was you know you can kind of see the vision and where they're going to be going with some of the things one of the rules that i kind of noticed is if you if you read in the advancing it says you can have multiple champions out that was you, in the rules. I was like... You can have multiple champions in your material deck. No, 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 no. Out in play, you can have multiple champions. It says in the rules, look in the advanced rules, it says you can <laughs> have multiple champions out in play. I don't condone this. Let me... <laughs> look at this. I swear. Look at the up. rules. I'm pulling look it up. Because it says champions. Is it a typo? Or do they have plans so. for a, a multiplayer version? Like like a two there, two? there are every every card is actually worded to support multiplayer play. Um, they're yeah. all choose an opponent, that kind of stuff mm -hmm. when when necessary. You will see it'll say you can have multiple champions in play. Because I was reading the world, you can't procure multiple level zeros, but you can it, it says you can have multiple champions out in play, and in order for you to win, you must take down all champions. And I was like Oh, yeah. Type in like uh, type. Go to the rules and then type I'm, in. Champion. I'm finding it right now. Um, I'm there. I, I don't champion. know if this is just a wording that's there to like make Trisket work or something. It was a very specific card, um, but uh, I'm I'm trying to find out. Was it this is in the comprehensive rules, Mike? Yeah, it's in the uh, comprehensive rules. Like so, the you got the basic rule and then like the comprehensive rule, like that big PDF. I mean, two two v two or some kind of team format does sound really fun in Grand Archive. That could be really yeah. Cool. They talked about the team format in there, but yeah, they talk about how you can have multiple champions. Wait, there. player? Yeah, it does okay. Say that. Yeah, it says right here under card types one point <laughs> seven point eight champions. Five, a player may control multiple champions. A, if a player who controls multiple champions wishes to level a champion, they must specify which champion is leveling upon declaration of the materialization. I told you. I told mm. you. But it yeah. says players may not materialize level zero champions. You just, it's, uh, it's just put onto your field during your first turn. So there's currently no way, I think, to have multiple champions. But I guess the rule is open there for, wow. Actually, Mike, wow. Okay. Okay. Mike, Mike, I take, I'm sorry. I take it back. Thank you for providing this really interesting piece of information to us because. Um, one thing that this just points out to me is that, and, and this is also very clear to me as I was doing those videos as well, that like, I'm really impressed with the design space that exists within this game. Um, it feels like they really put together a bunch of components here for a game that for people who like mechanic based games, who like playing games with, you know, just exploring interesting ways to play. 
Um, I think they're going to be pushing some interesting boundaries and I don't think it's going to take very long um, to see some really cool stuff coming out. Uh, Set one is clearly, you know, a lot of like, well, I, I say it's a lot of like basic stuff, but actually like the cards in the set are you know, it's like you expect to see a lot of cards. Like we'll talk about this a little bit with Lorcana, I think when we get there um, as well. But like uh, you expect to see a lot of cards that are like, you know, uh, two mana or two, two cost destroy target creature or something, you know, plus just one like plus one. Yep. There and there yeah. are a number of things like that in the set. But a lot of the like, um, especially the uncommons up are all like pretty wild stuff. And like, so I was really surprised at some of the SRs and the, and the rares in the game. Like, um, they, they're just like, some of these effects are like, wild. did you guys see the, uh, the 15 cost arcane super rare? Oh <laughs> no. yeah. And I already got in the, I already got a plan with that card. Cause one of the things I noticed you mentioned in the video, yeah, you're, you're banishing the, the those cards. The key thing is, is when you're banishing those cards, you're raising your level. Even yes. More, so you can yeah. turn around. I didn't make a mention out. of that, but that was a really good point. So, so this is a, it costs 15. It has efficiency. So it's lowered. The cost is lowered equal to your level. So if you can do like rye shenanigans to get to a really high level, you can make it very cheap. And then it, it's, uh, you look at the top level cards of your deck and you banish all arcane cards found there. And for each arcane card banished, you deal two damage to a target unit. Um, so it's like a, it's this crazy, like, I'm going to get my level to 30. I'm going to look at half my deck and like deal, like, like ace someone for like 20 damage or whatever, if yep. I can kind of like combo thing. Um, you found a way to play Zamasu and, again. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden you look at your cards and you're like, oh, I can play that for free now. Oh, and that's played for free. And you just win from there at that point. If that didn't win already doing, doing the, uh, yeah. Cause I think you'll be able to play spell can or arcane bolt no arcane blast arcane blast yeah arcane blast those are for free now those elementals yeah. those are for free now yep like you get to play all those for free and you're just like just lay them out and go i win you know yeah yep yeah it's the game the game is really cool i'm a, I'm a big fan of it so um the big thing we have to watch is if the company of weebs of the shore which which is still like gets me that that's their actual name, name. <laughs> that's no. the name of the company <laughs> but they're they're just they like the name i wasn't sure right away actually i'm gonna go back in time okay dan's gonna take you on a little trip to 2021 um i found out about grand archive through a random facebook ad that popped up i saw the picture of lorraine and i was like what the hell is this? <laughs> like, and I clicked it and it brought me to this early version of the website. And they're like, we have a TCG coming join the discord. And normally I'm not, I'm someone who's very, very, um, very critical and very skeptical of, of card games coming out. I, I don't back a lot of them, um, on Kickstarter. In fact, I've backed two card games on Kickstarter. I backed grand archive and I backed for one booster box of sorcery. Cause I liked I, I, I like the cut of their jib a little bit, but I like, I'm not even sure I like, I'm not even sure I'm going to like the game. Right. So I just like, I'm just going to grab one of these. Just maybe it's stonks or something. I don't know. Um, but I, uh, alpha clash actually, I'm going to say is one that I thought about backing as well. Um, but I ultimately didn't. And I don't know why, um, I just didn't, but, um, the, when I, when I went to this website, I looked at these cards and I kind of just like read through the website and I thought, it just feels like these people maybe actually get it. Um, and then I saw their name was Weebs of the Shore and I was like, oh no, this is just <laughs> yeah, a troll. 
I'm just being, no, I was like, I'm being trolled. (laughs) What's going on here? Um, I joined the discord. I I started chatting with the developers and some of the, some of the, some of the day one crew there. I'm actually in a special channel on the discord called day one for the, for the OGs who were, (laughs) who were in there right away. Um, It's not a very popular channel. There's a few people just every, every now and then someone pops in the channel and is like, how's it going everyone? And then like a day later, someone's like, good. Fine. <laughs> the grand um, archive illuminati yeah but uh but it's it it turns out as i've just been watching this company i've just been really impressed with um with all the moves that they make and i and i feel like if anyone if any one of these kickstarter games is going to be able to close that gap and and become like a full-fledged tcg it's these guys it's just because they they seem to actually really understand what's important they're very very good at listening to the player base or the, the, they're not really players quite yet. I mean, some people were playing, but it's like mostly just their excited fan base or they're, they're good about listening to them and making good decisions. Um, they aren't randomly banning people all the time because they said something they didn't like. I'm not going to point any fingers, but if you know what I'm referring to, you know what I'm referring to in the case. Um, and, uh, they, I just, it just seems like this game's, this game's got what it takes. So, um, that's why we've been pushing it so hard here. I, I just think, I just think this is going to be a really good game and I hope people, um, give it a shot, check it out because it's, yeah, I mean, we've been having a ton of fun with it. Um, the more I've played it and the more I've shown it to people, the more I've really like been appreciating. It's a great blend of like depth, but still feels like pretty smooth and easy to play. Um, which is yeah. unlike some games that have had great depth in the past, but did not feel smooth and easy to play. My my example, if anyone knows, is Versus System felt that way to me. Um, oh yeah, that that game felt it had it had crazy depth, but man, I it could not, I couldn't play it much. I played a game or two, and I was like, my head hurts. I don't want to play anymore. I don't want to think about anything anymore. Yeah, um, I could probably play Grand Archive games all day and just like yeah. you know. Have fun. Yeah, it seems like they really have a strong base. They have a strong foundation. Like you said, they seem to be doing all the right moves. They've got great artwork. And I really, I really can't say how how much how much that represents. Because when you're throwing when you're putting your game out there and you're trying to advertise to people, having that is such a good step, a good foot forward. Yes. Like having yeah. the cards and the artwork look as good as they do. That's the big thing. That's the big thing that a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of Kickstarter TCGs um, don't quite grasp the importance of the, of, of the cards appearance, the aesthetics, the, the, visuals, the design yeah. elements that go into it because it's, and you see, a, you know, Kickstarter TCGs have a range, right? Some, some of them are your grand archive sorcery, alpha clash, uh, nostalgics, whatever. Like these are people who are very passionate about their game and willing to like, like hire people and like, you know, like actually like figure out how to make things look good and, and take feedback and all that kind of stuff. Um, other games, which it's not worth naming names for are, are ones that are just like, there is a passionate, there's a passionate person behind them. And you have like, I respect that there's a passionate person behind them, but it's, it's not always someone who, um, really understands like what is needed to do to make this thing a success. And, and for some people, the goal isn't to be the next like big card game, right? For some people who are making these Kickstarter TCGs, the goal is just, I have something that I want you to have, right? It's like, that's, and that's it. And if they get out there, they get their fan base of, of people who backed it to get their first edition product in hand. And they go, I did it. I succeeded. I I completed that. And if that's their goal, like, you know, that's, 
I, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But right. um, a lot of games, it's it, there's unfortunately a, a, some creators out there who just who are just a little I don't know how to put it other than a little confused about um, that. It's it's not <laughs> it's not just having passion that gets you to be like the next Magic the Gathering. That's not mm-hmm. that doesn't Richard Garfield didn't just sit down and like whip up like and paint a bunch of you know card templates and like well that's my game right. like <laughs> you should I, I, buy it now <laughs> you yeah know? i think a big part of this and you see this a lot in the indie video game space too is that you have to be willing to you have to be willing to start over you have to be willing to make big changes and a lot of people especially when it's like an independent like especially if it's like one person they can be very staunch about their vision and not willing to compromise. So you have to have that. And you also have to be willing to take constructive, but negative feedback. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Like, like if you can't handle negative feedback about your game, I, it's like, I, I, you're in the I'm wrong gonna, space. I'm going to be hard. I'm going to be hard right now. If you can't take negative feedback about your, I know it's your baby, but your, your baby that you're super proud of your, your TCG or whatever you're coming up with on Kickstarter, you are not ready you're not ready to launch mm-hmm. it. I, it's just like, and, and if it's, you can't take that right now, uh, you're proving yeah. my point. <laughs> yeah. Also. It's like, it's like any artistic endeavor, really, whether you're, you're, you paint, you draw, you write or anything like that. You have to be willing to deal with that criticism. And like I said, if it's constructive, well-meaning criticism, all it can do is try to make your thing better. You can't yep. look at it as somebody trying to tear you down or something. Right. Yep. And, and unfortunately the, the, the other side of things is that I, that I feel like we have to mention too, is that, um, sometimes, unfortunately the internet is full of people who are just looking to tear you down. Um, that is true. And, is and what, yeah. I'm not saying you have to sit there and like, and like, you know, just like let people run all over you and make you feel bad mm-hmm. about what you're doing, but you do have to recognize when there is like, there is something within what they're mm-hmm. saying, they're not right to do that, right? The people who are doing this, like blasting people and like making fun of people and tearing things down, that's not the right way for them to act. They're not, they ain't mm-hmm. acting right. Okay. But like, right. but there, there is sometimes something there and, and what you need to do to be like a mature and well-rounded designer of your, of the thing you're trying to create is to take that feedback and go, okay, there, there may be being an ass about it, but what is There's it there that truth here? Yeah. What is it there that I am, I'm supposed to be focusing on as t- what, what should they have said? Right. And then how can I act on that? Cons- like the constructive advice that they failed to give, but were meaning to. Um, so yeah, we, we, we have a lot of TCGs like that, a number of them like that, but then there are a number of really good ones that like really interesting ones. I don't know if you guys have looked into alpha clash at all. Um, I've looked. I saw an ad for it on Facebook. Funny enough, yeah. Well, never seen it before. Yeah, they're doing a pretty big ad campaign. The thing about that game, it's a so. I think one of the main reasons I didn't immediately back it is because it is a superhero themed TCG, and those uh, those don't have the strongest history in the TCG space, um, unfortunately. Now that doesn't mean it can't be successful. And I'm going to say right now, like when I looked into Alpha Clash, here are the here's some like if you want to get into my head, here's some of the things I saw. It was designed by people who played Dragon Ball Super competitively, um, which should appeal to you guys a little bit here, um, and Mm -hmm. were interested in making their own game that kind of captured the feel that they were looking to get out of a TCG. So there were people there who, like, were actual, like, like, not like, you know, I 
I played I played Magic with my cousin six years ago, and I think I can make a TCG now. But, yeah. And like, and when I played Magic, I played Dark Ritual, and it searched for three swamps or something like the people who did everything completely wrong, right? But um, <laughs> that's that's by the way is a ruling question we got all the time when I worked at the shop. It was like he played Dark Ritual. Can he get three swamps out of his deck? Is that real? No, that's not how that card works. Okay, I watched anyway, the movie. I know how to direct. Right, right. So it's not someone like that. These are people who actually like do understand card games. The artwork was actually really good in Alpha Clash. Like, I'm sure you saw from the ads, it was like serious, like nice comic book style. Like, it looked cool for sure. Dark, dark comic book style artwork was kind of like it was like a image, it was like comics. a image, yeah, like an image superhero, uh, vertigo superhero kind of like that. Some of those imprints a little bit more like that. Um, mm-hmm. Valiant, actually, Valiant's probably a good one to pinpoint for them. I think that would, mm. that would make a lot of sense for if you're a comic book person. Um, but, uh, it, it has a good style to it. The card templating. This is something that a lot of people get wrong on Kickstarter. I Okay, you got good art. Awesome. Don't put it in a terrible template. Like, that's one of the first ways to just make me go, uh, you just don't, like, you don't know what's important here. Because as you were saying, like, people need to see these cards and and not just immediately assume it's someone's like MS paint project or something. They you, <laughs> like, but straight up, like if someone's going to go to a card shop and see people playing a game, if you want them to be interested in your game, they have to take it seriously. Taking it seriously is, is a subconscious thing that you can't, that, that we don't really control. We just look at a card and go, yeah, that's a, yeah. Oh yeah. That's a TCG card. Or we look at it and go like, is that a proxy? Like if I ever have to ask if that's a proxy or a prototype card or something, then you mm-hmm. haven't finished. You haven't finished iterating on your card templating it's, yet. It's the equivalent of going, "Is this fan fiction?" Yeah, no, it, it, like it totally is. And and like that's not to say that you can't be someone who writes fan fiction and become a best selling author, right? Like look it's at happened. <laughs> yes, yeah, look at uh, look at Twilight and everything. So like mm-hmm. it's a, it's um, it's it's definitely something that. You can you can definitely be successful with this, but Alpha Clash was a game where I looked at it and like everything is really in the right place for that game. So um, I do encourage people to take a look at that if what I've said so far sounds interesting to you, because I think there's some legs there. Um, potentially, I think now I'm going to take a deeper look into it for sure. Yeah, Ooh. and I I haven't been paying the same amount of attention I have to like Grand Archive or something with that. So I can't right. say for sure everything but about them. But from what I have seen, I think I think these designers are also making pretty good moves, pretty good steps. They they actually did an earlier, they, they've done Kickstarter in a really, really weird way though. They, they started off with like a, sort of like a pre-Kickstarter Kickstarter and like huh. funded a comic book and um, some promos and stuff for people to like sort of develop the lore of their universe. They're actually very proud, I think, of like having their own comic book universe that they're creating around this and comic book Kickstarter TCGs have been tried before as well. And it's been really tough for audience to catch on. So I'm not sure what the special sauce is that they're using here to like really make it work, but they are getting good funding now and they're, and, and it's looking like it's going to be a a real thing. So I don't know if it's going to be in people's hands in 2023, but it is something mm-hmm. to look at as well. I feel like I'd I'd be uh, remiss to just not mention that one because I think that's one of the bigger and ones. It's, and it's interesting because like there is a space in the market because I've said this personally for years. I have missed having a like for talking about licensed a Marvel or DC card game like not a not a you know board game or you know a self contained game. Jordan like, knows. Know, DC. 
Well, Metacross is right here, Kevin. Metacross is right here. It's not officially dead. It's not officially dead. Technically, no. They could literally drop set four tomorrow. Any moment set now, five. it's going to happen, guys. Oh. Teen Titans go. But no, yes. uh, but it's it, it's true, though. Like, you know, I have been missing because obviously I'm a big fan of superheroes, Marvel, DC, etc. And like, I love anime, too, of course. And there's a lot of anime card games, but there is no like there's no game that caters to like the superhero fan. Like we just said, Versus did back in the day or anything like that. And I've been jonesing for like, man, I wish there was like a Marvel card game with like tournament support and, you know, like a real card game. You know what I mean? I, when you say real card game, I want to clarify for the audience because like there will have the people who are like, yeah, there's the versus two player card game and stuff like, okay. I, I, I'm a board game fan also. Right. And I, yeah. I love a, I love a good low entry fee LCG style game. Like Yu-Gi-Oh speed duel. Like we were just talking mm-hmm. about this. I'm down for that kind of thing. But I think, I think the shortcut we use when we call like a TCG, like a real card game or something is there there's this whole element that goes into being into a TCG. Like it's, it's committing yourself to financial burden. It's committing yourself yeah. to chasing no, and collecting cards. Investment. Careful on that one though, because technically hero clicks runs Marvel runs. DC. Right. But that's, that's not, not a card game. game. That's yeah, not, not a card game. It's a miniatures game, game, but it's it not a card game. Has the chase you're buying booster packs yep, yep. But, but that's it's a totally different thing but mike mike right. you're you're making a good point that i'm going to respond to just as soon as i finish this part right it's oh. like i just want to <laughs> i want to make the the difference between like when people say a tcg a real card game a real card game and like a living card game um yeah. because like mm-hmm. lcg style purchases uh or, or purchasing lcg style stuff just we find that people don't psychologically attach to those card games as much as they do to a tcg tcgs right. Because because more, you know, there's more of you that is getting invested into a TCG. I think I, I this is maybe this is just like my own hypothesis or whatever, but I think there's pretty good empirical evidence of this being the case that people people just tend to in, feel more invested in those. And that gets people to come to tournaments that gets people to to think about the game in their off time in the shower, coming up with deck lists, that kind of stuff. It gets people to right. Yeah. And, and like also doing a TCG model rather than LCG model tends to result in more cards being printed, more cards being printed tends to then create a more, more thought space for people to engage with in the game. It's when an LCGs tend to be kind of trimmed down, you know, it's like people like to say, oh, we trim the fat off of a TCG and we're producing this. That's great. But actually the fat is that chewy part for your brain. That's fat really is fun. flavor. Anyone yeah, and, cooks and, will tell you that. And that's that's really fun for people to like get into it and be able to think about um, and wrestle. and just in, engage yeah wrestle with and engage with as you're as as you're going about your day and then chat with your friends about it. be like guys I think I figured out how to make Lost Spirit work in Grand Archive and you're like Jordan you're insane like there's no chance oh, it's, it's gonna, gonna be good I'm telling you <laughs> but no, um, they all thought I was crazy <laughs> so so I agree with you Kevin I I yeah. I in the same way you felt that way I've been waiting here for a true take on a Star Wars TCG in a long right. time. Like Destiny was close, but didn't it quite was. it didn't it didn't quite fill what I was looking for mm-hmm. in my in like my brain. Like it didn't just it didn't feel right to me. It doesn't and occupy Mike, your brain space in a certain way. And for that way. game, it, I only played one demo game, so everyone take this as a big cube of salt here. Yeah. 
it felt less like a card game and more like a dice game that had cards with it. It it was. I mean, that's, it was. That's, that's what. That's why I dropped off it. I went to tournaments. I got promos from like Star Wars Celebration when I went. I was in there. Yeah. But yeah, it got to that certain point where like at the end of the day, I'm kind of just rolling dice. It. I. I. I'm totally that. Like ex- exactly. And I can't tell you guys why. Like I don't know why I have this YouTube channel. Okay. Like I don't understand. I don't understand <laughs> are, what it is about TCGs. That I just really, really like, but Destiny didn't provide that element to me. Um, I'm really excited. I'm really glad that people have loved it because that actually that game community is still going on. They've been doing fan sets and everything um, and good for them. That's awesome. It just for me, it didn't quite click the way I wanted it to. And Mike, oh, what a transition. Mike, talking about clicking the way you want to. Hero Clicks um, is, yeah, you're right. It's a collectible game, but... It's I for Kevin Kevin's point here. I don't think Hero Clicks clicks the way he wants it to when he's talking about a TCG. I think I am. I'm going to put words in his mouth, but I assume Kevin feels the same way I do about TCGs. No, I played a lot of Hero Clicks. I played a bunch of it too, actually, and I played the original. I'm an OG Mage Knight player here. I played the Uh original Rebellion launch of Mage Knight, and I was a kid, and I got absolutely destroyed by sweaty tryhards at a tournament who put illegal (laughs) terrain up illegal terrain that they brought to this game that was a gigantic wall that i couldn't get behind and they sat behind that wall with mage blasting demi mega supported steam golem or or not steam uh maelstrom golem or something i think that's what it was and blasted me through the wall as all i could do was run my guys up around the wall to try and get to them and they just got picked off one after one it was like it was like the one of those sniper scenes in a movie where the whole team's running in it's just boom 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 (laughs) like my whole team died i'm like dude i'm like 10 years old okay can you just like not i'm a child yeah Uh, i'm a literal child here (laughs) And, wow. and before someone says it in the comics, I also don't, don't mean something like Marvel Snap, which I do like. Snap, is, Snap is great. Yep. It, we it talked is, about that in one of our look back episodes. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's that same thing about occupying brain space because that game is so quick. And so I'll just throw my app up for a couple of minutes while I'm going to the bathroom or, you know, waiting in line to get a sandwich. It doesn't occupy your brain space in the way that a traditional TCG model would, like you were saying. Yeah. Yep. Like hundred percent. And, and, um, that ultimately is what I really like to see. So I'm totally with you. I, you know, I think seeing, but I, I hope maybe alpha clash Kevin is something that will like appeal to you. Maybe, maybe you can like, it's not going to have your favorite Marvel superheroes. That's the thing. Right. Of course. But they're, I like that they're trying to make their own universe and I like that they're they're and they're putting like good effort into it and getting like real, like good, like, I reels the wrong term to you. Sorry. Professional quality, like illustrators, um, Mm -hmm. who are doing like comic book style artwork, um, and really trying to like, they're just trying to, they're trying to sell this thing. And I think maybe you'll like the play style of the game too, since they are DBS fans who are trying to like make it, um, a bit more like that. Maybe Um, I can be the Dan green of alpha clash. Yes, you can. (laughs) Maybe you'll get a cool promo for it too. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention while we're on Kickstarter TCGs, just Sorcery TCG also should be launching this year. I mentioned I did back that for Booster Box. So, like, did you did you guys any of you guys get into any of the Sorcery Kickstarter or anything? Never heard of it before. You just no. mentioned it. Wow. Okay. Sorcery became the largest funded Kickstarter um, oh, wow. T- TCG Kickstarter uh, of of all time, I believe. I don't think anything surpassed it yet, but maybe maybe my info is wrong there. 
Um, sorcery is a boy. Um, it's a tactical card game, meaning like it's a it's a grid based like playing, moving things around, playing them. That kind of like, like yeah, Jordan, should pique Jordan's oh, wait, interest. I, I, no, I remember. I remember this now. I remember you mentioned it to me, and I thought about backing it, but. It's going to sound really dumb and shallow, but the aesthetic of the whole game just didn't excite me in the least. And if I was going to spend I mean, that's money valid. on physical cards, I was like, eh. Jordan, that proves our point earlier also, of course, about about the artwork and, and aesthetic and, and paying attention to your design on your cards. Because that's, yeah, like, as much as you might like how your card looks for your Kickstarter game, if a bunch of other people don't like it, they're not going to go, well, you like it, so I'll buy it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones who are exactly. trying to they're the ones who are buying it so yes um right, right, right. so to that point i actually i i sorcery i found appealing to look at although i'm i'm also not sure if i'm on the i might be on a similar page to you about that what they it's okay it uses western style design so it's not like an anime style it's like a western style fantasy artwork and to that point they're actually like they have artwork from very famous fantasy authors like artists like uh frank frazetta um very very well known like yes there's a bunch of frank frazetta art in sorcery um wow they got they got artists who are currently doing games like magic and flesh and blood to come and do art for them so they got like steve argyle has some pieces um for sure and wait a minute I, I don't know if I can name other ones. I just uh, briefly looked at the Kickstarter. This is not the game I thought uh, oh. I was thinking of. This is very different. Okay. Well, Jordan actually didn't look at it then. <laughs> there was a, yeah, there was another card game that was in a similar like vein, I want to say, and it was had like grid-based things. And I think either you or one of my other buddies like mentioned it. And I looked at it and it had like the it was card to read cards. They didn't look particularly great, and the art kind of looks like this is going to sound like a bad thing, like a knock on people that do stuff there, but I don't mean it in a bad way, but it seemed like a deviant art, like no art I, style. I like, know, I know what game you're talking about because yeah, we, like, because I played it. Oh no. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, and, I saw, and, the, and I watched like a video on like how to play it that they had on their thing. And it was, the video made it more confusing than it looked. And I was just, I, I don't know. I lost interest at that point and I was just like, yeah, I'm out. That brings up another good point of how good the Grand Archive how to play video was. Like wow. that's so important having a a easy easily accessible, easily understandable here's how our game works and it's visually interesting, you're not getting bored. It's not just a guy talking like, you know, Ben Stein or something. But yeah. you know, that's also huge. Easy to learn, hard to master. Nope. Yeah, the the initial like just very quick quick start guide is um they they went out of their way. They got a good like company to put together that right. video, make it look really nice. If you're going to put resources into something, you put it into that, right? Yeah. Um the I can't I'm now blanking on the name of this game that you're talking about, Jordan. It was like it involved legendizing your yeah. uh Something your like your heroes and it was, so it was like called something it was called something super generic though it was like legends some kind of legendy thing about legends hmm. <laughs> i'm kind of sad i didn't know about sorcery because i the art on this is kind of sick okay there see yeah yeah you you did find some yeah. art you like there which is however like, i i feel okay missing it because it looks like unless i was going to spend a fortune on it uh the one i would have the tier i would have went with i'm going to be able to still get when it hits the market because it was just like booster boxes right yeah there's 
now since we're on the subject of Kickstarter game, there's another game that I heard about recently that I know some stores have had demo decks of the game sent to them because I know one of my locals has it. It's called Primal. Oh, and yeah. For Primal. anyone who for anyone who <laughs> liked the Naruto card game, it from is way back that. in the day. It's literally just that. <laughs> it literally is just the Naruto card game with their own IP that they made for it. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like, there's it's there's literally nothing is different about it other than it doesn't have ninjas on it. Like, well, actually exactly. it might have ninjas, but they're not Naruto ninjas. <laughs> it's not just ninjas. Yeah. There's other kind of like fantasy, you know, element things to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Real quick. It's, it's art. It's called Arch Legends trading card game, Jordan. That's the one I think you looked at. Um, okay. They, they sent me a like a package to like uh you know show off the game or whatever oh, i think that's why that's how i learned about it because i you were talking about it and I, then i checked into it <laughs> yeah like... yeah okay so so here's what happened with this they reached out to me and they're like do you want this and i said what are the stipulations associated with it because i, right. I don't actually think i i literally told them i don't think i'm going to like your game so if you need me to say anything positive about it i can't guarantee i will <laughs> better to be honest Yep. And then they said to me, nope, I know you'll love it. And I was like, <laughs> okay, okay send it to me. I and then <laughs> I played, I played, I forced, <laughs> I forced my Same. friends to come play this game with me. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad, guys. I can't Did you even... bring it to the card shop? I, you just invite everyone over and be like, we're playing I, something exciting. I invited, I invited a couple people over. Room. We just sat there at my table and we played Arch Legends and we were laughing the whole time because we were like, this, this is just a, this is just abysmal. Like (laughs) I haven't. um, So the only reason I feel like, okay, talking about this, by the way, is that they launched a Kickstarter. It did not get anywhere. Zero backers. It, it, they had a, they had mostly, they had mostly backers who were in there like asking questions just to get access to like the comment section. Um, Uh And then they all just, you know, jumped out at the end. Because what I found out, what I found out about this game was this, this company was a, a, they were in like Malaysia or Singapore or some, some kind of Southeast Asian area. Um, and they were, they had the weirdest sort of, uh, push for this game that they were the weirdest, I guess, like tagline, not tagline. I don't know. You could tell that their motive here was actually, they were trying to make this card game. And then their, their website said something about, um, after we get this card game out, we're going to use it to uh, produce like educational um, online like presentations and stuff like what? that. Like it was this really weird, like they kind of were marketing it as like an edutainment thing right away, but it seemed like their money from the Kickstarter was specifically going to go to, okay, I guess we'll get the game out the door and then we're going to be able to make a bunch of like powerpoints about history and like post them online or something oh, like I, I thought you were going to say nfts honestly no <laughs> no 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 this was much weirder than like nfts i would have been like oh whatever it's another like crypto scam or whatever yeah, but yeah. like but this that's just weird bizarre. yeah i just had no idea what was i don't unfortunately i don't remember the exact wording of it but that was the gist i took from it i'm sure if you read the wording of it you would feel very similarly it just was like a it was just a really it was a really weird thing. And after I read all that in the, that was like, that came out along with their Kickstarter. And I was like, I have no idea what these people are actually trying yeah. to do here. This is really strange. But like people were asking, I remember people were asking comments in the, in the article about like, okay, so are you going to do organized play? And they were like, well, we don't have plans for it, but we're going to do educational historical things online. Like, 
is that what people are coming to a card game for now? Is that like, is this, are they trying to get ahead of the curve here and be like, yeah, soon people are really going to want to come watch history PowerPoints for their card game. <laughs> the next level of, of engagement with the card game. I'm like going to a car dealership and then uh, like if you need to get tires done on your car and they're like, okay. And here's a bunch of bananas. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, banana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You know, what? I don't know what was going on with that. That was, that was, that was a really weird one. But again, like not all these Kickstarter TCGs, they, they really have like the plan together. So, um, yeah. and yeah, your deviant art art thing here, like not that there are bad, like not that there aren't good artists on deviant art. Obviously there's a mix of them, but the problem is there's a, you know, it, it, it leans there's in one direction. <laughs> yeah. The curve. Right. Gonna be there's a stigma, to not the you know? And and this was this was firmly in the bell part of the curve <laughs> for the art <laughs> style. Um, yeah. So okay, sorcery. I just getting off topic. That's okay. Sorcery um, looks like it's actually going to be a well put together game. I think the artwork is. I mean, like I, I love that every card is a big like splash full art uh, of these really really nice looking like Western fantasy um, style artwork. Um, I'm someone who I just. I just, there's something about, again, this goes back to like why I like TCGs and everyone's going to have their own take on this thing, but there's something about moving cards around on a grid and like how my brain has to engage with that part of the strategy that I don't actually really like that much when I'm playing a TCG. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's like how there's a lot of people that are like RPGs, but they don't like RTSs, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually I'm usually, I'm usually, uh, like tactical, tactical RPGs, like fire emblem and fan, final fantasy tactics. I'm not actually a big tactics fan of those either. Very different than RTSs. Well, no, I didn't mean RTSs. I was just bringing that up as another example. Yes. I know like Starcraft yeah. and stuff. I'm, I like the concept of Starcraft, but I'm not good at it. And Starcraft I, and that has always kept me back. What's that? Starcraft huh? is one of the greatest games ever made. That's great. I agree with you. I agree with you, but like, I just don't <laughs> jive with it. Just <laughs> well, because you're not good at a card game doesn't mean that you shouldn't play it. I mean, you play Dragon Ball Z and everything else. And oh, I've never been good at a card game, Mike, and it's never stopped me before. <laughs> I, that was supposed to be a little jab, a little, little punch. And... I, I fully, oh I'll just fully oh embrace God. it, man. I'm like not good. Nope. <laughs> But, um, but like, yeah, it's just like the problem is if you're going to play like a, an RTS and you're going to not be good, you just don't have a good time usually <laughs> playing against good right. players. Um, it's the same as playing like Smash against someone, Kevin. Like, just to, to bring that up, or like, I played or, Smash with you. Yeah. I got to say Smash though. <laughs> okay, fine. Any fighting game. Just pick, pick any of them. They're all pretty similar in that regard. It's, it's a lot harder to have a good How time playing you. against higher skilled <laughs> players when you're a lower skilled player in that. Um, and no, RTS is sure. that way. Um, no, and you I, just one mass. That's all you do. You just sit your hand against the controller and, and whatever happens, happens. I think in but this podcast, Kevin home. is becoming better friends with Jordan and worse friends with Mike as, <laughs> as the podcast goes on. No, you're one of those Vegas is off. No, no, I don't, I don't do that in fighting games. No. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, sorcery is another one I'm definitely keeping my eye on in 2023. I just want to, I want to see how it goes again. I don't know if I will really like it. So I don't know if there'll be any real coverage for it on main deck because ultimately I, I, I'm, I have to like the thing really to like want to put any effort into like making videos yeah. for it and stuff. So, um, but, uh, I do think people should look at it because I do think it's going to, um, it, again, I haven't also haven't been paying attention to what like the team's been doing. I don't know if they have the same kind of stuff in place that I see for grand archive for like, for like organized play and everything. If they do, 
they they have the potential to be in a really good place because it funded really well. If they don't, it 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 might not make that transition that we're talking about. Same with Alpha Clash, you know, whatever, and and same with Grand Archive. Again, it's like it's it's it is like we have to see it all happen. Still, um, I just all I can do is call the shots like I see them, and sometimes I'm not looking hard enough to be able to see them too. <laughs> um, do you guys have any other like uh Kickstarter TCGs before we move on to some of the other ones that are coming out in 2023? Do they have yeah, to be real? Yeah. No, actually, no. No, I'm the imaginary one in your head. You've piqued my interest. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I meant like real life, not not digital. No, go for it. Embrace the digital. Let's do it. All right. Well, there's a, a sick card game that's actually just kind of like a revival of one that already existed. Uh, Duelist 2. It was a revival of Duelist 1. Uh, the sense. original company went under for reasons I don't even remember. But they got the blessing from the original developers to just basically like remake their game. So they oh, remade wow. it. It's called Duelist 2, and the Kickstarter ended a while back. Uh, you can play it on Steam for free. Um, I, I suggested that to Dan on one of his like Sunday streams, but it's uh, you probably won't like it given what you said about sorcery. But it's a TCG <laughs> um, where you build a deck and you start with a, a general, and the general doesn't have any like he has a base stats of like two damage and 25 health. And you move them around on grids and you'll summon different things and cast spells and do different area of effect things. And the object, of course, like any card game, is to just kill your opponent. It has really good pixel graphics and I don't know, I like it a lot. It's it's not like gonna take your attention forever, but it's nice to like pop in, play like four or five games and then do something else. Highly recommend it to anyone and again, it's free on Steam. Um yeah. It's 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 it pricing model is similar to something like magic where you just play games and you'll get like uh, packs here and there randomly to get your stuff. So you can eventually get all the cards free. You don't need to buy. But if you wanted to, you can buy the card packs and then open them up and see what cool cards you get. That um, that actually reminds me that there's another digital game that I've been waiting to release uh, for a little while. I don't know if it's going to make it in 2023, but I think it will because I think they're getting pretty close to finishing it. This is a very indie game um, that people should just like maybe Google a little bit, check out. It's called Dark Table CCG. Um, it's a, it's, they're, they, I guess they, they kind of went for a Lovecraftian theme with it. Like, I don't really, I Ooh. could give or take Lovecraftian themes. I don't know if I care too much, but some people really like that. Kevin, Kevin I love Russo. Cosmic Horror. Yeah. Um, it's what, the thing that caught me about this game um, is that it is a, uh, it's a, the designers basically said, okay, nobody's making a digital version of MTG commander. We're going to make our own card game that replicates the fun of the multiplayer political aspects of, uh, MTG commander, but with our own mechanics behind it. Um, and it's got some really interesting, there's some really interesting mechanical components to it. Like when you start the game, you you choose a psychographic profile that you're going to play as that game. So like you can choose like hear me out, hear me out. You choose you can choose to be like the guy who's being I don't remember exactly what they are. So I might get this a little off, but when you look it up you'll see the exact things. You, you can choose to be the guy who's like trying to push aggro and 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 you know like fight everybody and like win the game. You can be the guy who's trying to like play the control player. You can choose that profile or you can be the you can be the like, I remember one of them is like you can be the jester. You can be the guy who's just like screwing around with everyone the whole game. Mm -hmm. And and that actually like 
you, I think, I think you're supposed to play into your win condition into that as kind of like part of your, your rewards at the end of the game, like making sure you're actually playing towards whichever like style of game you said you were going to set out and play. Um, but it's, there's also like an actual winner at the end of the game as well. It had a really interesting attacking and blocking system that had some like neat little, neat little twists to it. Um, in the way that the stats worked that I really liked on the cards, but otherwise it, you know, it played fairly much like fairly similar to a play dudes and attack game with an increasing resource pool every game. So it's going to sound very similar to game like magic or something. Um, but it's made to be played multiplayer. Um, and it's a purely digital game. And the thing that I liked about this game, an another thing that I liked about it was that, um, they, I think they were offering and still are offering when they were doing like various crowdfunding, they offered this skeleton key that you could purchase as their early crowdfunding. I think I paid 75 bucks. Okay. Which like is a lot actually for like, like a, considering you can buy a triple a game for 60, 70 bucks for like any mm -hmm. console. Right. But the skeleton key unlock was when the game launches, you will have a play set of everything for the rest of time. Anytime we launch oh, wow. a new set, you wow. get a play set of every card. Um, why didn't you tell me about this before the Kickstarter? I posted it in the in the Discord, and uh, I don't know if you didn't catch it. That's on you. <laughs> this is a while back. Um, I think they're still offering that kind of thing that you can get on get in on early if you want to. Um, I again, I can't. The game could become vaporware still. I don't really know, but they've been posting progress updates in their Discord, and it looks like it's coming together and everything. So um, I'm very curious to see how that plays. I'll probably be doing if I like how it plays once I get it in my hands. I'm going to be doing a little bit of content on it. Um, their monetization system was also interesting um, in that they, you know, when I said you got a play set of everything, um, I literally meant I, I mean like like in this game they're they're trying to make your collection like. If you have four of a card, you have four of it. You don't get to put it in two different decks, right? Which is like, oh, that's not very good. Like, I, who you don't necessarily like that, right? Mm -hmm. However, their system was, you know, you can just take apart, like it's in real life. You like take apart one deck, build another or something. But if you, their system is, if you ever want more cards, and we'll see if this pans out the way they said, but they said they were just going to buy, they were going to sell a deck token. You buy a deck token, then you pick the, pick out the whole deck and then you get it. And they, oh, I think they were saying like a deck token was like 20 bucks or something. So that's what it says in the Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you, you just buy a deck token, you get a new deck if you, if you want to. So I, the skeleton key was like a crazy deal. It was just like, okay, like I, then I can just build whatever deck I want. No, and that sounds the skeleton fine. key is two play sets of everything. Oh, it's two play sets. Even better. Yeah. That's actually, that's actually way better. So that's, um, yeah, but but otherwise, then if if you don't want to like take the risk right now, you just want to see when it comes out. It might just cost you twenty bucks to get. Like, I know we have lots of free to play games that are that like Yu Gi Oh Master Duel was an example of a free to play digital game where you could with very little effort kind of put together a a deck right away. Um, but sometimes games like Arena take a pretty substantial amount of effort to build a competitive mm -hmm. deck, um, or just like investing like fifty bucks to get a bunch of packs and then still had not having the deck together. So there is, I think there's something to be said about the, the company that just goes out there and be like, look, this is the way they're doing it. You do have to pay us 20 bucks, but we don't care. You're just going to get whatever you want. Then at that point, you just, right. you just get all the cards for your deck and you're done. Yeah. I just looked it up. It looks pretty cool. Honestly. Yeah. I think people should look at that too. I think it should be launching in 2023. I mean, I hope so. I, I put that money in a couple of years ago now, I think <laughs> yeah, sometimes <laughs> or early this like year that. or something, but yeah, 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 that's, they, they ended up getting like a, I, they ended up getting one of those, um, like 
Epic Game Store. Epic was doing those like uh, development subsidization su- subsidizing things. So like got subsidized, which with and on and then in return they had to be on the Epic Game Store. So I think it'll be on Epic um, to play it. Mm-hmm. Which have your own opinions about that. That's great. Kinda like cringe. whatever. But yeah, I it, maybe. But it did give them a bunch <laughs> of money to finish the game. Like honestly, I mean, so that's like, why developers do it. Yep. Look at Hades. Yeah. Yeah, like for yeah, look at hey, like Hades. What a, what an example. So, um, I I wish the developers a lot of luck with that game. I'm excited to check it out. I did put the money in, and if people also think it looks like a cool thing that they want to try out with me when it does launch, you know, maybe maybe give it a look also. Um, okay, so I want to move on because man, we're gonna go so late today. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I want to move on and talk about some of the non Kickstarter TCGs that are coming out in 2023 because i think this is some of the big stuff to talk about um first of all we're going to talk about bandai uh bandai is yeah bandai is quickly becoming like a a titan in the tcg industry i really i really think we're going to look back on this and be like wow they were really just getting started um crazy from where they were a few years ago it's nuts right it's so different than the old bandai (laughs) um in their old tcg space when when they had naruto and they gave Naruto up, and now it's primal. What a and Power a, Rangers <laughs> and Power Rangers. That's true. So, Bandai in twenty twenty three has a couple of games coming out. Um, one that I we have to talk about is Battle Spirit Saga. Mm-hmm. Battle Spirit Saga started out as an announcement at Gen Con, where I looked up at the screen and I went, "Oh, cool! I liked Battle Spirits." Um, and a lot of people looked up at the screen and went, "What?" <laughs> what's that <laughs> um and that's totally fine because you guys didn't get to play battle spirits when it came out in old bandai times and it was very poorly run and very poorly funded and very poorly advertised and very very poorly translated i'm going <laughs> to use this opportunity right now to read oh you guys i have right here so this is for our visual our, our visual episode viewers on youtube i have some sweet old battle spirits cards and I'm going to read the names and flavor texts of these cards for you guys. Okay. This should so, be good. This, they are foil. They, they look foil. Yeah. This is some kind of a foiling. It's a very, very flat. Uh, it's chrome no, foil. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> chrome foil. Yes. There's, there's no the um, spotting at all on these cards. They just don't. Yeah. It's uh, of the foiling. It is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> totally agree. I can't, I can't, uh, couldn't say it any better. Um, so battle spirit saga we've seen from all the previews so far, they did not, they, these are translated by people who actually can speak English, which is very good. Um, I don't know who did these ones, but the first one I'm going to read for you guys, this is the dragonic fortress giga. You can see this artwork. It's some kind of terrible CGI render of Mecha Godzilla effectively. Um, it's got a bunch of text. We're not going to worry about that. We're going to talk about the flavor text. The flavor text is dragons have no knowledge of moderation whatsoever. What are they going to do with this thing? Okay. That's it. That's what that is. I think what the gist here is that like, this thing is so excessive that like, they don't know like why they made some, the dragons made something so excessive 
But that <laughs> that sounds like the a translator's note that they thought was part of the official text and they put it in. Like the, <laughs> yeah. like the translator went, "What are we going to do with this thing?" Yeah, yeah, it does it does kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so, um that was the Dragonic Fortress Giga. Dragonic Fortress all one word also. Battle Spirits is is <laughs> Battle Spirits is meant to be a dark fantasy universe. Um and I think in the current in Battle Spirit Saga, they're doing a much better version of like really portraying this as being an interesting dark fantasy universe. In this one, it just sounds like in this version, it seemed like a 13 year old's like wet dream or something. <laughs> it's like um, the next one is the Fire Lithographica Phoenixius. OK, the Fire Lithographica Phoenixius. That card. The the uh, flavor text on this one is. The fools who burned down the woods also got burned down. They are the only ones who benefit from... Sorry, I have to try this again. This is hard to do. The fools who burned down the woods also got burned down. They are the only ones who benefited from it. Yes, they love flames. Nice. Wiser words, I guess. (laughs) What does that have to do with the artwork? Nothing. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea like, what that has to do with that. Like, if you told me that was flavor text on a card, I'd be like, I, I don't know, a clown? I, I I got nothing. Just a guy with his pants on fire? Yeah, like, I, what? Yeah, it's, um, boy, yeah. I mean, these are, these, these are, by the way, these are going to get a little weirder as I go through this also. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yeah. Next one is Leave Wolf. Uh, what, what? My face is in the way. There we go. There we go. Get that. Leave Wolf. Okay. It's a leaf wolf, but it's a leave wolf. Um, okay. This one is, I'm going to read this one with the punctuation as written. Okay. So you're going to hear me pronounce, like you're going to hear the correct punctuation. Didn't I warn you that these woods were alive? So that's your fault. <laughs> that's Leave Wolf. <laughs> so I think the idea here is that um, they're supposed to, they're trying to say, why did you go in there? Didn't I warn you that the woods were alive? But it's it's all in just these, these flat sentences that yeah, doesn't really describe what's happening yeah, in the car. It seems like they tried to do like magic flavor text, but just don't understand why good magic flavor text works. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I agree with that completely. It's like a poor mistranslated video game being ported from Japan. It's just like, uh, yeah, I was going to say this, your base this particular card. Um, it, because if I remember correctly, this, I'm probably wrong. Cause it's been like years since I've studied it, but I know like a lot of Japanese, like grammar, they flip flop, like where the noun and verb is at. And like the, basically the sentence structure is kind of like the opposite from what we do in English. So my guess is they just directly translated words to English and didn't like change mm-hmm. the grammar of the sentence. No, <laughs> I, like the words are good enough, right? He was the same. Not looks good. I do <laughs> like want to say old, too, if like somehow we have like the, dub. if we have like the translator of Battle Spirits from 2010 or whatever, who like listens to this podcast, email me. I want to talk to you. Let's do a podcast because like I bet there's a story here. I bet yeah. there's a story to all of this, and I would love to hear it because like I don't think this is done with like ill intention or anything. It just seems like 
you know, it could have been someone just like, was like, here, you have two days to translate these 300 cards or something. And they're like, mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> whatever. Or, or, or was, there was no translator and they literally just went to Google Translate. Yeah, this was before Google Translate, though. Yeah, before what, at least what? it was as good as it is. Yeah, um, I'm just going to them out. Okay, the next card is the Charger Blanbor. I love this one. I have this is the playmat I have. Man, you can't even see this foil. This foils are so bad, guys. Oh, so oh my god, it's just reflection. Yeah, this is the Charger Blanbor. I have this playmat still because I love this. I love the name too. I don't know what a Blanbor is, but and it's the it Charger like Blanbor. It, <laughs> it's it not sounds like, like an alien in Rick and Morty. I don't know if this is supposed oh, to be like a unique, like a like a like. You know, this is old Blandbor, the Charger. You're like like a, a well-known single, like one-off creature. Or if it's like, if it's supposed to be like charging Blandbor and they just translated it wrong or something. But um, here's the flavor text on this one. Again, punctuation is all being pronounced as is written. The other day we saw a guy scattering rowdies alone. I wanted to show you how excited we all were. Nice. I... I don't has know what nothing to do. I don't know what that means. I don't know what rowdies are. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Rowdy. I don't know why we're excited about it. I don't know who's excited. Who's and the other day we saw a guy scattering rowdies. Is that the Blandbor? Is this the guy? I, like I don't there's, get this card. Too many questions. I Watch don't one, one day we're gonna figure out that there's like a super obscure like Japanese TV show, and these oh, are all like moment like epic moments in the show that happened so battle spirits was made and then an anime was made adapting the card game into like into a universe or something but this but this flavor text i i don't know when it came out in relation to any of that but i if this is the story i gotta watch this thing i have no idea what's going on in this main deck watch along yeah absolutely okay i've got two more for you guys i hope you guys are enjoying this it's just it's really fun for me to read hilarious this is Okay, this is the Sickle Fool Joker. Fool hyphen Joker. The Sickle Fool Joker. Before you read this, I gotta say, the foiling is super reflective, and that's not necessarily bad. It actually would look pretty good if important parts of the card were white-plated. Yes, it it doesn't have plating. The background had the mirror sheen. Yep, it it could look cool. cool. But this was, again, this is Bandai back then. Minimal <laughs> effort, guys. It was That's how they mm-hmm. used to do it. That's the opposite of what they do now. They're incredible at putting effort towards making great-looking cards now. Yes. Um, but they did not do that when they released the Sickle Fool Joker or any of these other cards. So the Sickle Fool Joker, clown type, by the way. It's just worth mentioning it has the clown type. Um, Magic just added the clown type, actually. <laughs> <laughs> in infinity um okay hey what are you staring at i have no interest in who wins battle the only thing that matters to me is how long it's gonna last okay okay now is <laughs> so there any kind of distinction if this is one person talking or a two-person conversation it's a bunch it's a bunch of just quotes from nobody there's no listed Keisha, who's saying any of this? It's just random quotes. I don't get it. I want you to take that. What was that card with the Jokers? The Sickle Fool Joker. Okay, no, 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 no. The one that had the flavor text with the Jokers on it. Oh, the the Rowdies. The Rowdies. Yeah. 
That card should be, or that text should be on that card. No, nah, that still doesn't make sense, Mike. I mean, it makes more sense. Maybe. Does it, though? It no, makes sense in the universe where Kissimmee is far away from Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, got him. <laughs> got him. Ding. Oh, no. What I was talking about, the Fool's card. That's what I meant. The Fool's card. You know, the one where the Fool's yeah. set the, 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 uh, the Forest oh. Empire? Put um, that on that other card. Oh, the fools who burned down the woods also got burned down. They yeah. are the only ones who benefited from it. Yes, they love flames. Yeah, I don't know. This that sickle fool joker doesn't have any fire on it, though. At least the phoenix has some like fire. Some something loves flames here. Well, I, well, I yeah, I don't know. That that text is just oh. Wow. I have no interest in who wins battle. Um, I think, I think what they're saying here, this is very much like a blood for the blood God kind of thing in Warhammer. This is like, mm. I think this person is just interested in the battle going on for a long time. This is like your corn from Warhammer, um, yeah. as the sickle <laughs> fool joker. But that text is just like, that's this is very, this one is just clearly very poorly translated. It's like not even just misattributed, just like, just weird. I don't know what they're going after. Okay. My favorite one, my favorite oh, okay. one that I pulled out here today. This is <laughs> the dragon Diamat, not Tiamat, Diamat. Okay? Legally distinct. Legally distinct oh, from, Di- from Tiamat. Um, interestingly, also, I should mention that there are, there are dragons in this game, right? There are ancient, here's an ancient dragon. This is actually a well-known card from the first set of, of battle spirits, the, the dragon emperor Siegfried, right? This is a card type that says ancient dragon. Okay. Well, the dragon Diamat is a giant beast. Don't know why it's not a dragon. Charizard's not a dragon, right? (laughs) Yeah. Same thing as that basically. Um, okay. Flavor text. Do you know the word hybrid? It seems like this guy was the cause of the fight. Most of the time, cases of the fights are nothing. <laughs> Those are words in an order. Yeah, it's a That's sequence like, of words. It, oh, I, it's like two different conversations got spliced together and put on the same thing. Like, oh, it's very important that you know the word hybrid. I don't know why, but it's important that you no, know that it word. It sounds like somebody was late night, they went to the Chinese buffet, and they got a bunch of fortune cookies, and they just ate, got into them and said, yep, I put that on this one. And then just tried to match them up and then ship them out. That's, yeah. Can I just say, I also love, most of the time, cases of the fights are nothing. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. I don't know what any of this means. Um, maybe that's supposed to be like the fight wasn't, the fights aren't caused by anything, but like, then what are we even like most of the time fights aren't caused by anything, but it seems like this guy was the cause of the fight. What does that have to do with hybrids though? What does that have to do with anything? And why is he not a dragon? He's a hybrid. He's a beast dragon hybrid. It doesn't, the dragon is only in his name. Yeah. He's a hybrid of giant and beast. Like Lance Raptor here is a Terra dragon. Like they're not afraid to put dragon specific dragon types on things, but that one, that one's not, I don't know why. So, okay. So I hope you guys enjoyed our little foray into the, the era of battle spirits. I, I lo- wanted to go through this because I want you guys to know that battle spirit saga, I've been reading the flavor text on these cards and it's legitimate. Like it's actually like well-translated 
somewhat interesting. Some of their, like, their vanilla cards have long, like, their cold card is, like, flavor text just kind of explaining a part of the universe and what's going on mm-hmm. with these things. And they don't say things like the cases of the fights are nothing. They don't ask you if you know what the word hybrid is. If that's <laughs> no. not the case, I'm not in, then. Yeah. <laughs> not interested. It shows Bandai where they were and then where they are now. And Absolutely. You can, um, you know, and I just, think that's a great reason why they would bring that card game back specifically. We know what the hell we're doing now. Let's do it right. Well, yes. yeah, and then not to mention you're bringing it. They've already created the rapport. They've created the rapport with the Dragon Ball Super card game, the Digimon. Yeah, this, would, this wouldn't One work piece. without Dragon Ball and Digimon and One Piece. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Here's yeah, it, it wouldn't work because yeah. Here's they, what's going on. It's like Bandai has built this. They they've they started by taking these IPs and the thing about IPs. The thing about IP card games. IP card games have a a very guaranteed return on investment. As long as you can audience. be a competent TCG company and put out a competent game with an IP that people like, you have this baseline of players who are just going to be like, oh yeah, I love Dragon Ball Super. I love Digimon. I love One Piece. I'm just going to get into it. IP games also have a ceiling uh, somewhere mm-hmm. to where they, they they have a hard time surpassing a certain player base because at some point you just hit, you hit the Venn diagram of One Piece fans who like card games. You just, you got them. You like right. found as many as you really realistically could. And then, and anyone else has to like get into One Piece to, in order to get into the card game on it. You know, usually there's that 1% of people who are like, I like the mechanics and they get it. That's, that's oh. fine. They're, they're the exception. Um, but Battle Spirits, Saga. I'm, I'm going to say that just to clarify from our, do you know the word hybrid game here? Um, <laughs> is, is a game that the title of the episode. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm just so lame with my titles. I'm always afraid to do a fun title like that, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see if I, I'm going to try and put some, that's kind of stuff somewhere, but the, this game is the kind of game where you don't have to know anything about this IP. Cause this IP was made as a card game and then they, they turned it into like an anime and stuff later in Japan. But this is made to just, you just jump in. You don't have to know who the characters are. You can start to learn what the world looks like. What I see when I'm looking, especially when I'm looking at like the specific cards they're bringing into the game and the mechanics they're bringing. Because what, what Saga is, is it's a, it's a smattering. It's like a greatest hits of Battle Spirits. Because um, Battle Spirits has been running in Japan this whole time. It's right? still going. Um, yep. And it's still going. And they, they took mechanics. They took some of the best mechanics that were added to the game and created this first set with a specific set of cards that they liked to put in this. And then they, they packaged this own game and they're sending it globally. Um, so we have things like, uh, the, um, the, the, everyone has, has cores. We have a soul core as well. I think is what it's called is like the, it's a very special core. So core in, in this game, very briefly, you get, um, this has a resource system called cores. And this is really the, I, I, I want to remake this meme of, um, uh, from from Parks and Recreation of Cones of Dunshire, where where he's going, it's all about the cones. You forgot, it's all about the cones in in Battle Spirits. It's, all, it's about all about the cores, the cores. <laughs> um, because it is. And uh, these cores are literally your life total. They're also the resources pool you start with, and then every turn of the game, you gain an additional core from the void. Basically, you just gain a core basically that you can use to spend for things. When you take damage, you lose a core, and it goes to your pool to be able to spend on things. And when you play your you play your spirits or your nexuses, which are just like enchantments and stuff. Um, or when you play your spells, 
uh, when you play your spirits in Nexus, Nex, Nexi, whatever, you have to put some <laughs> amount of cores from your reserve onto the spirits. And then as you saw with these, these cards, they have like levels on them. Mm-hmm. And based on how many cores, that's that white number there that, um, that determines what level that spirit is. And that sometimes unlocks abilities on the card when they're higher levels. Oh, Yep. So it's like you're managing your cores here. Sometimes your spirits have an ability that says when you play it, you can take cores off of your other cards and put it onto this one. Um, when a card has no cores on it, then it's destroyed. Um, and, and then when you lose life, you gain a core into your reserve to spend on more things. So it's got, it's got that little bit of that Japanese TCG catch up mechanism that we see in a lot of Japanese TCGs. You take damage, you gain life or you gain resources specifically. Um, but in this game, it's just that, like that way that the cores interact with everything is just very interesting. It's fun to kind of like strategically move. Do I want to put a bunch of cores on one big thing or do I want to split my cores up among these other things? And then having things in play, um, you see this little gem here. This is like, like a, actually a how to play battle spirits podcast. Now, welcome. <laughs> um, there's a little gem here on all your cards. That is a cost reduction gem. Basically every card here has a cost and then a number of gems on it. This is the max amount of reduction the card can get. So if you have two cards with this gem out already, when you play this card, it costs three instead of five, but it can't ever go beyond two because it only has two gems up there. So it can has a lowest cost of three, a normal cost of five. Um, and that's how you play it. So it, it has that escalation that I like in card games, or as you build out your board, you can play things a little cheaper. You gain cores to be able to do bigger things to get things to higher levels. Um, and otherwise plays a very much like a play dudes and attack thing, but it has mm-hmm. a special mechanic with it's like spell cards where once per turn, you can also place a card from your hand face down into this burst area. And it's a trap from Yu-Gi-Oh and you can just, oh, and it has a, the cards have a special condition on them. It'll say on the card, like when you lose life, you can play this as a burst and it doesn't actually cost anything to play to get that burst effect. But often it'll also say, then you may pay the cost, which is by d- getting rid of course, of course, um, to use the other effect on this card or something um, when you use it as a burst. So Battle Spirit Saga, this is, I needed to give you all this because here's what Battle Spirit Saga is to me. If you think about it from this angle, from the, um, from the, the ability to have like face down cards, a familiar mechanic to, to players of certain card games, um, to having, uh, having a bunch of like creatures, or should I call them monsters in this case, they're spirits in the game, but let me call them monsters that require you to potentially remove cores. In other words, sacrifice other monsters to play them (laughs) and get the big power. Guys, Battle Spirit Saga is coming after Yu-Gi-Oh! is my take on it. Um, In particular, it's introducing their, it's, it it is, and I think they were doing that from the start, like back in the day, you know, like, I think this is clearly Mm. Bandai just going like, well, let me capture a Yu-Gi-Oh! audience a little bit. And it's got a dark fantasy theme, which I, which is like what the most popular things in Yu-Gi-Oh have like dark magician, blue eyes, white dragon, all that stuff is like very, it's not like a, it's not like a high fantasy thing. Like we see in sorcery and like some classic magic sets. It's, it's got its own sort of like witches and dark demons and this kind of stuff um, Mm -hmm. where it really hits that dark fantasy theme. Um, And I, 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 and, but I think this time Bandai bringing back battle spirit saga, refined rule set, really a lot, much better looking cards, um, and with, with, especially with like good treatments, gold foiling, they've, they've already announced there's all sorts of really cool high rarity stuff to chase. that are like alternate versions of lore cards, the way Bandai likes to do it. Um, and, uh, better translations and everything, of course, too. Um, I think combining all that with what we've seen from Bandai so far, which is million dollar prize pool, 
serious mm-hmm. advertisement pushes, They're critical role sponsorship. The hell out of it. Pro ZD uh, did his video, which by the way is hilarious. Go watch Pro ZD's. Like, great. Yeah, Pro ZD's video sponsored by Battle Spirits is about um, how long card game card game names can get and it uses it uses my favorite part is the original where he's he he the right at the beginning of the video he talks about i'm i'm playing the um oh man what is the name of this 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 he names this card and he's like that's just an actual card name i didn't make that one up and he's like it's this old battle spirits (laughs) card that's this really goofy looking like cow thing or something that Mm -hmm. um that i i I wish i remember the name of it now just but i won't spoil it for you then just watch the video it's hilarious and it gets into like these ridiculous card names that are like two full cards of like the just the name the name yeah (laughs) um but yeah like Bandai's going crazy with this game, I think. And I think I think they're I think they've seen that they've had success with their IP games and now they're going, can we break into the big three? Can we do yeah. this by like playing a game that is going to appeal to Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic players in their own ways? Um and but has our own Bandai flair behind it. And personally, I'm here for it. I'm ready for Battle Spirit oh, Saga. I'm excited. Me too. I am. And they don't have to pay any licensing fees. They own no. it. Oh, but Kevin. Call me a doom and gloom, but uh, I'm not excited about any Bandai games at all. Okay, well that's that's totally fine, Jordan. Jordan, Jordan, why is that? I don't know. The Bandai. The main reason. Oh, the main reason is I don't like the trend that Bandai has been doing with pretty much every one of their games, which is making too much product too fast. Uh, that's one of the reasons that Digimon died for me. Is same. There were so many sets that came out in such a short amount of time, and it oh. hasn't. And they they said that maybe they might slow down. It hasn't slowed down. Every time I look, they're like they jump like two or three sets in a couple months, and I'm like, how do people like? And I have the expendable income to play, but I just don't want to spend that much income on a card game. And also, like uh, tournament wise, it just it feels like right when people would barely start to get like used to the new cards. A whole new set of new cards. You're like, cool. We didn't even find like what the, like what what good combos were in the previous thing, unless yeah. there was something or what just obscenely broken. The previous best deck, and then now there's a new best deck that's even more power crep than the last one. Yeah, yeah and, and it was just too much, too much, too fast on everything. We're trying to keep up with Japan is the problem. I mean, the good news is you can look at the Japanese meta because they're like two, three sets ahead. I think they're two sets ahead. So you can look at the Japanese meta, but you're right. And then with the product, like um, because of uh, what has happened with the pandemic and there being global shipping delays, yeah, what'll happen is it might take get delayed two, three weeks. We went over this on the Digimon podcast, but it'll be delayed two, three weeks. And then the next set, they don't push it back. And then, yeah, it can seem like, I think, like, CS3 came out, and it was just, like, one month later, then another set came out, and another set came out. And it can get overwhelming pretty quick. So, no, yeah. that's, a legitimate, that's a legitimate complaint with Digimon. I mean, um, I'm excited because they made the announcement. Uh, I don't think we had the podcast uh, when they made I forget if we went over the digital um, Dragon Ball Super coming out with the digital client that's going to be exciting. That's- yeah. I, I, I do want to talk about that in just a moment. I want to follow up on the battle yeah. spirits thing and that like, I, yeah, me too. I, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Um, I agree, Jordan. I'm curious to see what their release schedule is like and, and how quickly oh. sets come out. Um, I, I, 
I, I also, they, okay. They had a, they had a, like a feedback, like Bandai's usual, like feedback, um, request survey. survey that they sent out. Um, and I went ahead and filled that out and I mentioned something in there in particular, which is that I, I, they asked like, do you have any other feedback about what we've been doing so far? And I said, I, or, or what you expect out of battle spirit saga or something. Right. And I said, I don't want you to follow the Japanese game. I want you to make this its own game and and keep it that way and don't get to the point where you are making japanese sets just a few months later or something i don't enjoy just games like that up. i yeah. don't like well like jordan's saying like trying to play catch up with the japanese game releasing sets really fast i want you to make this game for the western audience and the western audience usually wants a slower a slightly slower release cadence than that not too slow like there's a there's a it's a it's threading a needle in some ways but like there's a needle to thread there um to make sure they're frequent enough but not too infrequent um and uh there is um there's also this whole element of just like if you're just following that Japanese metagame, it's, it reduces our ability to explore the metagame ourselves and figure out what's good. Mm-hmm. I, I like that in Saga, it's just going to be this weird smattering of cards because like maybe, sure, there's going to be a bunch of cards where if people play the Japanese game or pay attention, they know, oh yeah, that card was really good. But like the context is going to be totally different for the card, right? So it's like it is its own game. If they either continue right. to just kind of do that or I hope I'd like to see them just go like, we're just going to make completely new sets for saga that are different and take the game in a different direction or something. I, that would be perfect for me. And then that would give them the ability to not be beholden to a particular release schedule. And, and hopefully they can, they can take this like attempt at being uh, a big game seriously and try and like, make sure they're, if the players don't think the games are or the sets are coming out too fast, then they can respond to that and not release them Mm -hmm. quite as quickly or something. So we have to see the one problem with a big company, a bigger company releasing game is that they have higher, you know, numbers thresholds to hit on, on purchases and everything. So that does tend to result in a faster release schedule. Um, I also don't want it to be as slow as a game like my hero academia though. Mm -hmm. five months yeah but yeah yeah but i do totally i totally see where you're coming from jordan i want to say one thing too uh who is it that mentioned it's not beholden to an ip i did that was kevin kevin Mm -hmm. there was something very interesting and i'm gonna this is maybe gonna be news for people who didn't open up that survey the survey okay the survey did say one thing in particular it had a weird question in there and it said yes i know i know what you're gonna say Okay, okay, you know about it. The question specifically had had like text on it that said, this is like, we're just curious, basically, is the, the gist of it. Um, but the question asked, what's your favorite Gundam series? <laughs> I mean, the correct answer Whoa! is G Gundam, by the way. G Gundam is a great choice. I said wing because I'm a because I'm a boomer, right? And I just I just want to see I want to see Shenlong. Right. Actually, my that was my favorite, um, my right. favorite Gundam back then. But so, um, yeah. So, okay. So about battle spirits for people who don't know. So battle spirits, battle spirits is this dark fantasy card game. Okay. Battle spirits is actually a, a sort of a, I don't know what to call it and not a knockoff, but like a, a split off of a game system that's been in Japan for a very long time, which is often known as um, miracle battle card ass. <laughs> it's like okay, uh-huh. I don't, dude. I don't, I don't know where the name comes from. I can't the card tell you about ass that. system. Yes. Yeah. Um, there were there was there were Dragon Ball Z cards in that system, and I do believe there were Gundam cards in that system as well. In mm-hmm. fact, 
in Japan, they just came out with a set for Battle Spirits based on The Witch from Mercury. Oh, the okay. Gundam there you go. anime, which is a um, very good anime, by the way. At but some yes. point, I think with Battle Spirits, it kind of took over the Miracle Battle card ass and just became like the, the main thing. But like the cards, the, the game systems play very similarly. Um, even back, even back before like Battle Spirits was the dark fantasy thing. I, I went and I bought a bunch of Japanese, uh, Dragon Ball Z Miracle Battle card ass cards because they looked really cool. I, I should have them here, they but they're, did, they're, yeah. I have them up Ooh. somewhere. Um, so obviously they are testing the waters a little bit with that question. And they have a particular right. interest, I think, in bringing a Gundam version of Battle Spirits into the Battle Spirits universe here. And mm -hmm. I'm sure they're going to be interested in hearing player feedback about whether yeah. they want to see that, whether they want them to be mixed or separate card games or anything like that. Um, so per to Personally, I would just love a new Gundam card game. Shoutouts to MS War. But... Mm -hmm. um what I meant as far as like the not paying a licensing thing, like when they're just doing the battle spirit saga stuff, like their own world, their own universe, they don't have to worry about not just paying licensing fees, but also having to deal with licensors, which yes. is why yeah. a lot of times with these IP games, like you're not able to get things that seem kind of like no brainers, right? Because for whatever reason, the licensor doesn't want to do it or they don't like it that way or something. And it's a huge headache dealing yes. with Japanese license owners and yeah. they won't have to worry about that. That is, that is absolutely true. And it's a really good point. I, I just thought it was a cute way to jump into the fact that they are looking at bringing oh, some sure. other IPs into the game. And, and of course, Bandai has very close connections and control over a number of these IPs that they're bringing the, mm -hmm. the TCGs out with. So it's like, it's not, it, it wouldn't really have any of those issues necessarily if they brought like Gundam stuff in. Um, yeah. And the other thing is when they're establishing well, because the that's game, Sunrise. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's true. Sunrise is a little different than some of their other ones, but they, but mm -hmm. they are, they do work very closely with, with, yes. they, cause Bandai publishes all the, like gun, a bunch of Gunpla and stuff and, and other, um, Bandai card, other Gundam card games in Japan that they've done in the past. So it's, mm -hmm. um, I, I think the, they have Bandai, the nice thing about Bandai is they always seem to have those right connections to do it. And the other nice thing about this system is that they'd be introducing Battle Spirits as its own game. And then if they did bring these Gundam things in, they would be a side thing. It wouldn't be like, okay, we're, we're out of Gundam or people don't like Gundam or whatever. So the card game's done, right? They mm -hmm. do, they wouldn't ever have to do that. They just go, all right, well, those are our Gundam sets. Now back to your regularly scheduled, uh, charger bland bores and, and stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, the thing about battle spirits, and I'm interested to see what you guys think about this is that I am excited for the game. I think it has a lot of potential. Like you were saying, I do have the I do have a little concern and it's like what you were saying about IP games, right? They basically have low floors, right? It's easier for a lot of people to get into, but they also have low ceilings. Like you said, once you get all the one piece people, that's all the one piece people. So something like Battle Spirits because it is its own thing which has its benefits, it's also harder to get people into because mm -hmm. there's no Luffy on it, there's no Goku on it which to their credit is why they're doing so much advertising and that's smart. So it has a higher floor, but it also has a higher ceiling. And I yeah. think so, that's why they waited exactly. to release that and bring that over until they've had successful card games. Right. So I think the real question is, can they get enough people to play battle spirits 
without an IP to latch onto that they already know. And I think that's going to be the real determining factor of how successful it is. I'm hoping it's successful. I think it will be successful to some degree for sure. But that is a big question is how much can they get without that, that license to grab people? Yeah. I and tell you because it's a movie. harder sell, right? Yes. Yeah. One thing I can tell you, at least from them owning the other previous three games, one of the biggest feedback that Dragon Ball Super players, Digimon players, One Piece players, biggest piece of feedback is we want cash tournaments. We want bigger pricing. We want this. So with Bandai having those other three games, and now they're doing this fourth one, and now they're offering this, and it's going to be a lot easier to pull people from super and I wouldn't even say pull. Let me make that very clear. That doesn't mean they're going to stop playing super. That doesn't mean they're going to stop right. playing the first binding game. They're going to play battle spirits as well. Yeah. They just have four Bandai fast release schedules to keep up with now. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Bandai does this correctly. You know, it's like, Hey, you like playing this game. You like playing our game. Hey, we know how to make games. We take feedback. Why don't you check out this game? We even have cash pricing for it. Yeah, Battle Spirits has the potential to just skyrocket. But they also they also have to be careful with that because you don't want an Argent Saga situation where everyone jumps in for the cash prize pool and then when it's gone, everyone evacuates the game. I call that yeah. a versus system problem, actually, because I'm old school that like well, that yes. too. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and I, Kevin, it's a really important concern to bring up and and actually i also want to point out because some people might be thinking about this i hope if, if you're thinking about this you're on the same wavelength as me so we're you're a smart person thank you for thinking about this also <laughs> you may be thinking why are we why are we bringing up this kind of bar that battle spirits needs to meet where we're and then on the other hand we're looking at games like grand archive and going yeah it's exciting it's awesome like you know let's all jump on and start playing and and the difference is the key difference here is that bandai is the one publishing Battle Spirits. And anytime a bigger TCG company or a bigger company in general has mm-hmm. a TCG, their personal bar for the TCG is higher. This is why Wizards keeps bringing out every now and then they bring out a new TCG, Kevin, Rip Transformers. Um, they'll bring out oh, a TCG. Oh. It'll do well, you know, it'll do it'll do well enough where any smaller TCG company would just go like, we're we're a success. We're doing great, but right. it didn't do but it well didn't enough. Do magic numbers. Yep, it didn't yeah, do well enough for a bigger company. At Lorcana. That's when we were talking about Lorcana, and we did that video. It's like Disney, and Disney yeah. got a lot like big numbers. So if yep. Lorcana's going to be any type of success, it's going to need to hit pretty big. I hope Grand Perfect. Archive does well, but I, its bar is simply mm. lower than Battle Spirits is for it to yeah. keep being published. Um, battle spirits. I think, I think if we're, if we're really thinking that Bandai is pushing at like trying to snag a space in the big three, trying to steal a Yu-Gi-Oh players away or something, um, their, their personal bar is going to be fairly high for the game. And the more advertising we see, the more big push we see early on, the more successful that actually needs to be, like the more results they actually need to get from everything they're putting into it mm-hmm. for that to work out. And I totally agree, Kevin, if that million dollar cash prize isn't followed up by a continual million dollar cash prize. If, if we get to the end of 2023 and we don't see Bandai going 2024 is a $1.25 million cash prize or something. Right. Um, then or that is, that's going to be the telltale sign stuff. that it didn't work, yeah. you know? Right. And yeah, perfect example of what you were saying. 
uh, Guilty Gear Strive sold a million copies. The most successful Guilty game in the entire franchise. Champagne and caviar for everyone in Arc Systems work. If that was Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, the franchise would be dead. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, straight up. That, and that's just, that's the unfortunate reality. That's why I do like to tell people, you know, there's a whole world of small card games you can get into. They, a lot of, a lot of card games die, period. But a lot of these card games can actually be supported for a long time. And right now in the current era, we have a lot of, we actually have a lot of long running card games. Can you believe, Mike, Dragon Ball Super has already reached as many sets as it is and, and they just have this digital client coming out now and it's just looking it's like, like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of games we're in. We, it does feel like we're in an era now where some of these card games are really going to go the distance for quite a while. And there's really no reason not to be, to be too afraid of jumping into some of these. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot sure. of people I see, I hear it all the time. You hear people I hear in the park. Dragon Ball Super is going to die. And then uh, people say Digimon's going to die. Like One Piece ain't going to survive. A lot of these small card games are actually starting to gain. Look at Flesh and Blood. I think. Flesh yeah. And Blood oh, great games. example. Flesh yeah, and Blood. Yeah, perfect example. Blood. I mean, you've got like Dragon Ball Super is at their what, fifth year anniversary now going towards its sixth. I mean, it's. Universes oh. is going to just go like, I mean, even if my hero dries up or something at some point, like universes is, is, is the thing about universes and Jasco is that their bar is just low enough where it just needs to, it just needs to keep kind of going at, at Maybe whatever the current pace is. And well, yeah, that's, that's one thing we're worried about is that my hero academia maybe raise their bar a little too much and we'll see how that pans out if, um, but I, I mean, I, I do have hope that the team, like, I think the team understands that and they're going to be trying to push out more IPs that really get people, um, jazzed to jump in and try the games and stuff. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that ends up going, but, um, universes has, the, or, what's that Jordan? I was going to say, that's going to be the point, the turning point for me, whether I get excited about the game is, I was hoping they would have already done it, because, um, but uh, the announcement of a different non My Hero IP. And don't get me wrong, love My Hero. I love the cards they made for it, but like forty percent of the reason I got into this card game originally is I liked the different IPs. I didn't like that it was just like this is just Mortal Kombat the game, or this is just uh, you know Cowboy Bebop the game. It was like. Because it it makes me excited. Because every time a new set's going to come out, it's like, oh man, I'm excited. What are they What are they going to do next? Yep. Like, what's yep. the next thing? And like I said, I love my hero, and it's cool to be like, oh, you know, mechanically be like, oh, what what new cards are they going to make? But it's so much more exciting to be like, oh, dude, I'm so excited because there's so many possibilities, right? Mm, like, yeah. especially Not- since they have their foot in the door with MHA and what they mm-hmm. had with Yu Hakusho and Kababibop, they now have a good relationship with Funimation, and Funimation has so many good ips that they could Mm -hmm. pull from in addition to all the other things that they could do now not to get on too much of a a universe's tangent but all i'm gonna say is 2023 we're gonna have a new street fighter game and a new tekken game if there's no representation in universes at all for that i'm gonna be very sad i don't even remember the last time that happened (laughs) sure yeah no i mean that makes sense and I think this this talk about IP, I, I'm gonna I'm just gonna capstone the Battle Spirits saga thing by saying like I think we're all, um, well Jordan isn't excited and that's fine. Jordan doesn't have to be excited, but the rest of us are excited about Battle Spirits. I'm saga intrigued, and- but I'm not gonna get any sort of excitement because Bandai needs to prove to me that they're not just gonna do the same thing they've done with every other card game that they sure. make. They need to sure. woo you. 
I'm yeah. I'm just a I'm just a fan of the mechanics. I'm a fan of the original game, and I'm really looking forward to playing this new one. I would have played this game without the million dollar cash prize. I don't really care about that. As I said earlier, I don't I'm not like no. a competitive or a good player, but uh, I just have fun. <laughs> yeah, I have I have fun playing the games, and I'm excited that it potentially can skyrocket for them if they continue this push. Um, I'm a little concerned that they are expecting really great things out of it and that those won't deliver, but we'll just have to end up kind of seeing what happens. Um, and I want to use what Jordan is talking about here. Jordan, Kevin are talking about all these different IP games, like universes use multiple IPs. Since we're talking about Bandai, Kevin, do you, uh, have you heard of any games coming out in 2023 from Bandai that involve multiple IPs? Yes. So I think Bandai heard my frustrations about universes and not having multiple IPs. And it said, if they won't do it, we'll do it. So I think it was a couple of weeks ago, because I messaged Dan when it happened, there was a, uh, what was essentially a meeting between Bandai and like shops and distributors in Japan, like a trade conference almost, where they were going over all their different things for the year, Dragon Ball, One Piece, other things. And during that uh, conference, they announced a new game from Bandai that is at this moment only coming out in Japan called union arena and what that is is it is like white like weishwars it is a multi-ip anime and video game card game so so far announced if remember off the top of my head we have jujutsu kaisen hunter hunter bleach which is the one i'm most excited about my hero academia tales of arise idol master am i forgetting i might be forgetting one or two uh, I had them pulled up earlier. I can't remember for sure. I think those are the big ones, right? Uh, Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer, yes. Okay, so they are essentially entering that cross-IP space, which is something that I've wanted Bandai to do for a long time. Because like Jordan was saying earlier, or and Dan was too, they have access to all these IPs, right? Now, obviously, there's licensing. They don't own them, but they have the right connections. They know the right people where they can make something like that happen. And um, so basically what we know about it now, there is a YouTube channel. It's all in Japanese. But if you have some kind of translation, you can glean some information from it. So what it looks like right now is that each set will have one or two IPs in the set. And then um, you will build a deck based on one IP. You won't be able to mix them, unfortunately. And I'm kind of sad about that. Like, I would have loved to mix, like, Bleach and Jujutsu Kaisen cards together. But you'll be able to play them against each other, which is something, if you guys remember Chrono Clash, Mm -hmm. remember they had that ridiculous rule where you couldn't play different IPs against each other? Like, Godzilla couldn't fight Naruto? Yeah, it's like, what's the point of doing Why are you even making this? Why are you even doing this? (laughs) It goes back to the licensor thing, because the uh, the people who own Naruto don't want Naruto to look weak in front of Godzilla or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Step on him. Anyway. (laughs) But yeah, so you won't be able to mix them in the deck, but you can play against the other IPs. And from the little gameplay information we've seen, it plays very similarly to a lot of their other games. There's a life system. There's some kind of energy system. But what looks really cool is there seems to be some kind of overlay system. Because you know the thing with like anime and shonen especially, there's a lot of transformations, right? So it looks like there's cards that go over other cards for like the powered up forms, right? Mm -hmm. So you can have Ichigo and then you can have 
uh, Bankai Ichigo or Hollow Ichigo and things like that. That's, that's just digivolving really, on cooldown. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. And it for me personally, as someone who, I mean, obviously I'm a fan of IP crossovers, right? Um, it looks really exciting to me and really looks like it can scratch that itch that universes isn't scratching for me anymore. So I'm excited. And we were saying before about like, will it come to America? All I'll say is since Bandai's, let's call it the redemption art, right? That started with like VBS. Yeah. Every card game, every card game that they've come out with has come to America at some point. Same thing happened with Digimon. Same thing happened with one piece. So I, I, I would find it very weird if it didn't come to America, but, and uh, Dan, you might, you, you know about this. My Hero's a part of it, right? Yep. So a lot of people in like the, my hero discord and the Facebook page were freaking out like, Oh my God, is this the end of the uh, Jasco's my hero and everything? That's not how licensing works. So clearly Bandai has the Japanese licensing rights for trading card games for my hero. So if the game comes to America, what I imagine end up happen will end up happening is something similar to Weiss, where there are some IPs that are Japanese exclusive. We got Golden Wind in Weiss for JoJo, but we never got Stardust Crusaders, unfortunately. So I imagine some of the ones they don't have the rights to, or let's be honest, wouldn't do as well. Idolmaster isn't really going to sell here in America, right? So we'll sell to the Weiss be- players. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know. Um, the, the people who play Weiss, right? Sure. <laughs> um, some of the Weiss collectors. Yeah, exactly. There you go. But, uh, so no, that's, there are, there are I, Weiss players. There, I, I get comments yeah, from them all the time. Joshing. Actually, I get a bushy, I get bushy fans commenting on these videos all the time. We're like, why don't you guys cover them? And it's like, we just, we just like bushy just games. Don't have are anyone just, who plays it. Yeah. Bushy games are very regional based and our region is right. not a big bushy region. So right. that's the main reason. Same here. There's one shop near me that played that has locals and they're like 40 minutes away. Yep. Which you know is like two kissimmes away from me. <laughs> I think I think for Mike that's that's like six states away then. Might as well be the moon. <laughs> but yeah, so again, this is all speculation, but I can imagine something like that happening with Union Arena. So I'm really excited. I'm interested in hearing what you guys have to think about it. Um, I think I, I know wanna, what Jordan thinks. <laughs> I, I want to jump in real quick because I want to hear what the other guys think, but I want to just mention that regarding the licensing thing, um, what you're saying is definitely a spot on possibility. Um, the, for people who weren't aware when, when we were doing Metacross, we were, I, I worked as a developer for the Metacross TCG rest in peace, but also not officially. I don't know what's going on with that. Who, who cares? Whatever. Coming Point back is, one day. I any day now we had a, we had attack on Titan. Um, and that was after Weiss had their attack on Titan set. Weiss released the attack on Titan set in English and everything. And then uh, Panini got access to the Attack on Titan license for a little bit to put in Metacross. And then after a certain amount of time, Weiss then was able to get the Attack on Titan license again. And then they put out the season two stuff and everything after that. So there's this gap in time that I don't know if you're like a big Weiss fan, you maybe remember, you're like, oh, that's what happened. Yeah, like that's that's what happened. Is they, they, they just moved the license over for a little bit because every license, is it's just like a contract. It's written differently depending say, yeah. on... However, the license holder wants to write it. They can make it regional based. They cannot make it regional based. They can make it time based. They can not make it time based. They can differentiate between card games and trading card games and board games and all this stuff. However, they mm-hmm. want to do it. They can also even make it non-exclusive so they can give it to whoever they want whenever they want to. Yes. It doesn't have to be exclusively like only this company can make it. They could be like anyone who wants it can yeah. have it. 
That great right. example is Games Workshop has been doing that. Games I was Workshop just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, Games Workshop in the last few years, they basically just opened up. They're like, you know what? If you want to make a Warhammer thing, just come, just come, come to us with your idea. There's so and many we'll Warhammer tell you if you can do it or not. Yeah, they've um, done that for for like years with the like the last ten years for video games specifically. That's that's their marketing uh, tactic. Actually, is they went with the shotgun approach. They're like, just let everyone have it because their idea was. People won't remember the bad games that people made, but they'll remember the like four or five really good Warhammer games that come out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so Kevin, what you're saying, I'm I'm totally in agreement with it. If um, we have yet to see if Union Arena TCG will make it to English, I just want to be clear: like, there's been no official announcement, right? This isn't Not like right. coming 2023 speculation. to global. Um, it's. I agree with you that it seems likely that it will, and especially given that we think Battlespirit Saga is like kind of after the Yu-Gi-Oh players, it seems like Union Arena is going okay. Well, if you like Weiss, here's a game for you to play too. Um, I like. I really like. Like I said earlier on, I think we're looking at Bandai, and we're looking at like we're going to look back on this and be like, man, they were just getting started. It really feels like Bandai is just really trying to take a huge bite out of this TCG market. Um, yeah, a little bit out of every pie, right? Yeah, yeah, right. a bit. different players for different player bases. Yeah. So, what do you guys think about Union Arena? It Jordan, has potential. I can't wait. Jordan, uh, me, uh, of course, I'm not really excited. Uh, another reason mm-hmm. that I'm not a huge fan of Bandai recently is a lot of their games outside of Battle Spirits because it's a, a system that was kind of already made for them that they had previously, but all their new games just all feel like the same game with very slight rules differences and the card mm. art on them like the card borders on all their games like one piece super and digimon all have the same card template with just different art slapped on them and different text on the cards and it's i don't it all feels too samey and it feels to me too lazy almost like since they are that big company we know we know for a fact their main motivation is the bottom line and it feels like they're not putting as much thought as they could into it because they just want to get it out there to try to get as much people's money as possible. I'll let Mike respond. Yeah. So first off, um, we're going to fly. I'm going after myself on this one. We're going to fly you down to Kissimmee, Florida. (laughs) And work with Kevin and I'll come down there to the fine folks in Florida and we'll get you in some Bandai card games. Really so, trying to curry favor with Floridians now. I feel like, I don't know. I disagree with you entirely on the artwork. You're wrong. No, no, I'm just saying like with Dragon Ball Super right now, like each one of the Bandai card games, even though they have different IPs, they, they're very different trading card games games on what kind of player base they go after like dragon ball super is very collector heavy right now and you can even see that because they just released a fifth anniversary card and i think i think i told you about this one jordan eleven hundred dollars for the card it's a silver card i think Yu-Gi-Oh did something similar eleven hundred dollars yeah, blue eyes the blue eyes yep eleven hundred dollars yeah. for the card and not a playable card just solely for collection mm-hmm. um I that's mean, just like, that's just like your average boosters. That's just like your average Friday for Magic, though. Like, thousand dollar unplayable card. Here you go. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh let's Magic throw it to you. But no, anywho. Um, so Dragon Ball, a lot of the collectors. I mean, there, there's a lot of people, even in our locals right now. Josh sells out of Dragon Ball Super Sub 
all the time because people are going for the god rare and then they're getting it graded and then a lot of them keeping it for their collection. Or, Kevin, you ever get a god rare? I, I don't know. I'd have to have to check my binder. <laughs> what do you wait? Side note, real quick. What do you end up doing with that god rare? Did you get that graded? No, I think you um, sold it. I actually didn't end up getting it graded. I did end up end up selling it for a very nice amount. Nice. Yeah. Okay. But that's like, and that's the thing with Dragon Ball Super. Like, I mean, yeah, those God rares cards like that, collectors, huge amount of value. You look mm. at Digimon, like, go to TCG Player and look at Digimon. I think the most expensive card that comes out of a pack, they did it once, and it was like an Omnimon Ghost. Yeah, the Ghost Rare. The ghost for it, and I think it goes yeah. for I think what eleven, twelve hundred. But right. that like that's a, like you look at any other Digimon card that comes out of a normal pack, non promo, because some of the promos are very what, pricey. What, what, I'm talking a normal booster pack. Yeah, non promo I think goes for at most sixty, seventy bucks. Like it's a different card game. You want to you know different player base and different artwork. You don't. You do have collectors in Digimon. But mm -hmm. it's predominantly super. Now, One Piece, I'm going to let Kevin comment on because I have not <laughs> had enough experience with One Piece yet. To piggyback off what you're saying, it's true because with One Piece, all of the promos are alt arts. So they hold a lot of value from like the tournament packs and the winner's packs because they're cool alternate versions. They'll sell for a lot. The most expensive non-alt art card in One Piece is the one Zoro Super Rare for 25 all the value, it's like Pokemon, comes from the alt arts. So it's actually really cheap to make a deck in one piece right now. And I do want to say, Jordan's point is valid. I understand where he's coming from. Totally. A lot of the Bandai games are similar. But here's my thing. And big surprise, Kevin's going to relate it to fighting games. The way I look at it, I know, shocker. The way I look at it is, look at something like Street Fighter and King of Fighters. At their core, they are very similar. They have similar moves. They have similar functions. But how they are played is completely different. And I think that's the key between the different Bandai games. DBS plays nothing like Digimon, which plays nothing like One Piece. The basics may be the same, but the those small differences that are there radically affect how the games end up actually being played. Not even at a high level, just at a competent level, right? Okay. No. I'm going to come in the middle. Here we go. All right. So uh, I'm zooming right in here to mention that Jordan, I completely agree with everything you said. Basically. I like, I just can't argue it. The thing that we've found with Bandai's recent push into TCGs is that they have developed a player, their own player demographic. This player demographic is Bandai TCG players. They right. Bandai has a style of TCG and even though there are like strategic differences in what you do during the game, like Kevin mentioned, and even though there are player, uh, there are some demographic differences between individual games, like Mike mentioned, all of that's still totally true. But the fact is there are players who look at all the Bandai games and go, yeah, I just kind of, I kind of like the cut of their jib here. That's like, that's basically what, the second what they time say you said here. that today. You know what? It's a good <laughs> phrase and it, and it works. And these players are going to look at union arena and they're going to say the same thing. They're going to look at it and go, Oh yeah. You know, it's got kind of, it's I, I, I like this life system. I like this energy system. Like this kind of thing works. I, it's going to play like differently. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's going to play differently. Like Kevin said, 
um, it's it's going to attract. I, I think it's going to attract a different player base, like Mike's insinuating. Like because Weiss certainly mm-hmm. has a a very collector focused player base and stuff. And and I I guess I'm hoping that there's a this is more of a played game than a collected game. But at the same time, anytime you publish a game like this where it says you got a favorite anime, here's your set for it. You're already just asking people to come be collectors of the game. Like it's just right. like you're begging for that right away. Like um, for me. So what am I? Sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm I'm basically done. I'm just gonna kind of flower <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> One of my favorite card games is the old Bleach card game. So the fact that there's gonna be new Bleach cards is like honestly probably the part I'm most excited about because I love that series. Been watching Thousand Year Blood War, love it, etc. But yeah, like what you were saying was like to use the analogy: if DBS is KOF and Digimon is Street Fighter, Union Arena could be the Marvel versus Capcom or the Capcom versus SNK, the crazier one, the wilder one that has more stuff going on. Right. Even though again, the core is the same because I'm not sure I can imagine an analogy that means less to me than that. (laughs) Well, the only thing I would say is swap them. But I'm sure that I'm sure that makes sense. Single fighter and then Dragon Ball Super. Mike has opinions on fighting games. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm most surprised you didn't uh, you didn't have Dragon Ball Super B, Dragon Ball Fighters. Yeah. <laughs> well, I said that to keep it in that very like traditional two yeah. D analogy because like KOF is a very explosive game, just like DBS can be. Street Fighter can be explosive, but is generally at a slower pace, like Digimon. Bring back the rollback netcode debate. Let's do it. <laughs> There's no debate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that yeah, that, so that was a joke for old game. podcast listeners. By we'll, the way. We'll, we'll get you on a Bandai game. I've got I've got so many decks. Like we'll we'll get you on a Bandai game. No, I mean but Jordan. Jordan's the tried them though. Jordan, Jordan's played them. Jordan played Super with me a little bit. He tried that out. He played Digimon. Um, I, I mean, he didn't play. I don't think he's. Well, no, I, he just showed I what. Played, yeah, I played the demo at Gen Con. Yeah, he has One Piece demos too. I have the promotional packs that I was going to sell at some point, but no yeah, one here so plays it. So Jordan, Jordan's played them all, and and you know what? I, I think this is just a great point again. Like everybody's got their own flavors on TCGs. I I tried Flesh and Blood, and I just didn't really vibe it. I don't think I would really like Sorcery, but that doesn't mean those are bad games, and it doesn't mean you can't like them. It 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 means your personal tier list is different than mine. Shout out to everyone right. who's blasting me on the tier list video. Actually, that's mostly done now, which was, and it wasn't, it was mostly a bunch of super show players who were just mad that I put it at D tier, which is like, sorry. That's just my, that's my feeling. So you're going to get um, Irish whipped at the next gen con. Yeah. I got, I got to stay away from the super show table at the next gen con. <laughs> there's going to be a, someone coming from behind with a folding chair. So. You're going to walk by it. And then she's going to be like, Hey, that, that's like a guy. He put D in the tier list. Get him. I was trying to figure out, I was like, oh, no, is he trying to start, like, a war between card games? No. No, then, no. Tearless no. are fun. I, it's like, it's they just are, opinions, yes. dude. It's just like, it's it's what you think about them. And it's, that's just yeah. how I felt about the but various yeah, card and games. So. Like, like we were saying before, how much the TCG space has grown, especially when just compared to a couple of years ago, it really feels like just a few years ago, TCGs were on the downswing, right? And now we're in the complete opposite. Yeah. And it's no. kind of like with, with video games. There's something for everyone. It doesn't have to be Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. That's it. And we'll fight to the death to talk about who's better. There's so much space. There's so much more people involved now. I think more people are just playing card games than ever before. That, like, there's something for everyone, man. And not everything has to be the next Magic. Not everything has to be the next Yu-Gi-Oh! or Pokemon. You can carve your own niche, your own space, 
and exist there and have a blast. I totally agree. So it'll be interesting to see how Union Arena does if it comes to English. I mean, I think it'll be hard. Like we said, with these IP games, like the floor is low, right? It's going to be hard for it to not do well when it comes to it, when and if we don't know if it comes to to an English release or something. Right. Um, and again, just like with universes, sorry, real quick. No, um, you were saying like the Venn diagram for one piece only goes so big, but in a multi IP game, all it takes is another IP that someone's really into. Now they're in. Yep. So and as we said, like problem. it's worked for Weiss. Weiss is another game where I don't expect that game to go anywhere. It's it's, they're just going to keep on no. pushing out sets for it because there's always another new popular IP that people will get behind, even if it's like VTubers. Chainsaw or Man. Like yeah. Oh, yeah. Chainsaw Man is coming. And that's coming mm-hmm. 2023, Kevin? Yes, it is. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, so that's a, that's another exciting thing coming in the next year. Um, I'm going to redirect us just to our last like new game we wanted to talk about. Speaking of games where it's going to be hard for it to do poorly, uh, Disney's Lorcana is mm-hmm. coming in the next year. Being published by Ravensburger, which is actually a board game slash puzzle publisher, um, a a publisher of some very very popular board games that have come out in the past game in the board game space, games like Castles of Burgundy, um, a lot of the like I think a lot of the Stefan Feld games, who is a very popular board game designer for hobby board game players who like the Euro style board game, they know that name. Um, but a lot of people might, this might be like referencing King of Fighters to someone who doesn't. Yeah, see, now I don't know what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah, no, that's okay, whatever. So Ravensburger <laughs> is a very, very um, well-known board game publisher. Probably not the biggest, like, not like the biggest board game publisher in the world, but like, you know, they're they're just one of them. They're one of the one of the ones that you know, they've been around for forever and they, they do this. And they somehow managed to um, expand their team and wrangle up this Disney license and, and end up produce like producing the disney tcg lorcana which is coming next year mike and i did a really nice podcast about it. you can go back and listen to that if you want to hear mm-hmm. our thoughts uh on lorcana but i am curious because i haven't gotten to hear kevin and jordan are what are you thinking about lorcana is anything you're interested in looking at um well i i kind of feel like i say this with all card games and like i like card games right so whenever a new one comes out unless it's something that just like instantly puts me off i'm always at least a little bit interested right yeah and I am a fan of a lot of the Disney IPs, the Disney franchises. Love Donald Duck, Hercules, Aladdin, Emperor's New Groove, you know. Um, so, and what I really like about this is my girlfriend, Natalie, who I've mentioned before, we play card games together. I got her into card games a couple of years ago. She is really interested in Lorcana because she is a huge Disney fan. So I think what Lorcan is going to do, it's going to get those people who might be on the fringe of being interested in card games will get sucked in with that Disney IP. So I think that's something really good for on for them, but kind of off from the question you're asking. Yes, I'm really interested to see where it goes. And like, I really want to see what an actual game plays like, right? Because I don't know how much more information has come out since you guys did that podcast. I don't think much, right? A little bit. It's finally started trickling in. Uh, We have a few pieces of information. Like there's, you know, we knew that there were six colors in the game, six inks, I think they're called. Um, And we know that you have, you. it's like a force of will style um, resource system where you have a separate deck that has your like ink resource cards. Um, And we've learned since then that you can have a maximum of two different ink colors in your deck, um, Mm. which will make up that. And we've started to see they've they've shown one, I think most of one card, and then they sh- uh, which was like a uh, Maleficent Dragon Fire. Dra- it's called I think it was just called Dragon Fire actually, right. and it was um it was Maleficent Dragon shooting fire, and it, it was like 
it, it was Doomblade. It was like destroy target creature or murder <laughs> or whatever. If, if that's all right. it was. Um, and and you had some people in the community like, oh man, they're just making basic cards like that. Well, yeah, it's like the first set. So like this, yeah, some right. of that stuff does does end up getting printed for sure. Um, I think I think the concern at first, especially when we saw those first previews, was that it was going to just be magic, right? It was just going to be a straight magic clone. But yeah. I think since then they've shown enough that's different that that's no longer a concern. Um, which I'm yeah. happy about. Yeah, I think it's not. I think it's not going to be quite that way. It looks like you like challenge other units, so it seems like it's maybe got more of a direct attacking thing, like in a, a Yu-Gi-Oh or a Grand Archive style system. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, we 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 don't quite know some of like what some of the other symbols on the cards mean. Um, there's speculation from deck building systems that are on those symbols to like damage amounts to like whatever. We do, we still don't know all those rules. Ravensburger right. said the rules are are going to be coming, I think, you know, in the relatively near future, in the coming months, we're going to start to get a, like a full deep dive into things. Um, right. But there, uh, this is one of the things that we're seeing with this is just that Ravensburger is not a TCG publisher. So no. they do, they're they not doing things the way that TCG publishers do them. <laughs> and they're, yeah. mm-hmm. they're doing things in kind of a board gamey way instead. And um, that is something that I think they're going to have to work on. Uh, if they want mm-hmm. to really like carve a carve a space in the TCG space, right. it is just a little different. Having been in both worlds, it's it's different in the TCG space. Um, but Jordan, what, what what are your thoughts on Lorcana before we go further? Yeah, um, kind of indifferent. It, it since there's spicy not a ton hot of it, take because since there's not a ton of information, I like. I mean, that's fair. It has the yeah. potential to be interesting, but it's also something that I can definitely be not excited about from a consumer. Right. Mainly because, not because I think the game will be bad, but the biggest problem I'm going to have with it is because Disney fans are fanatical about collecting, and that's going to make the yes. secondhand market like obscene. Like, if there's a car, like, if I they make it so, a, a very powerful card that's necessary for the deck I want to play, is going to be like thousands of dollars. I'm going to quickly not be interested in this game anymore. Yeah. And that's very possible because Disney right. is. It one of, if not like one of the Disney. top three biggest IPs yeah. in the planet. Yeah. And there's so many people that their whole personality is I like Disney and they're going right. to want everything and they're going to want it now. And it's yep. going to make the prices obscene. That's and my only fear you, is like it'll, it'll kill right. the game immediately for a lot of people. What, what you said before that word potential specifically is I think what this game really has because you have that Disney backing and yes, it's money, but it's also the strength of the IP, right? So like there's a potential here for like something we may have never seen before in just the level of IP weight being thrown around that could make something huge. But yes, there's also that risk like the first and I knew three people that went to D23 Expo where they had that special set. Mm-hmm. Nobody could mm-hmm. get one, including one person who was working there. Yeah. So those cards are very, sold. very valuable now. <laughs> yes. Now they said they're going to make like a regular non convention version that people can just buy normally, which is great. There is the potential there. And if they go on the wrong side of this, they could make Bandai look like Sesame street with their, how they handle promos. Cause like, imagine a disney world exclusive promo you gotta be in the park to get this card oh my god yeah 
Yeah, and you know yeah. they're going to do stuff like that. Like, I could see them easily being like, oh, there's a new ride for Frozen. And every time you ride the ride, you have a, you know, you might get this cool first 50 people right. to ride the ride first gets this oh, alternate art promo foil, Elsa. Well, here's the thing. Alternate art, I don't <laughs> care. You can do whatever yeah. the hell you That's want with alternate arts. Yeah, it could be an exclusive, which is the worst. If they're like, mechanically exclusive theme park card or something ridiculous like that. Okay. So I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in and say Ravensburger again, being the publisher here, I think matters board game publishing board board game publishing is all about accessibility. Like accessibility Mm -hmm. is one of the tenets of making board games from how you write the rules to how you do graphic design in board games. Anyone in Ravensburger is aware of that, even if they aren't TCG players. So I would be absolutely floored. I know yeah. Disney has a hand in things. I understand that, yeah. but I would be absolutely floored if they would introduce any difficult to obtain. Well, difficult to obtain is one thing, but actually just any at all mechanically exclusive promotional cards. Yeah, I was thinking that same yeah. thing. And if they did make one, I could easily see it being accessible. Cause like, like you said, from a board game space, they literally just hand out exclusive promos at anywhere. Like they're just like, here, just have right. a, have a handful of free stuff. Yeah. Like, but if Big Papa Disney says, yeah, that's my only. You know, that's my yeah. only no, like I, Big Papa yeah. Disney will be like, people are going to pay boatloads. Let's just print this. Okay. I just think that's the okay. case where where Ravensburger would fight tooth and nail to be like, look, we'll make the coolest looking card in the world for you. That's mm-hmm. only available there, but it's just it just can't be mechanically unique. And right, and and you know, I think they would if at the very least they will have fought their hardest to make that not the case. If even right. if it does become the case. That, um, that's another thing. The no artwork way to get the oh. cards cheaply. I would, I'm more intrigued. Um, but yeah, that's the only thing that I like, and I'm not yeah. talking just like exclusive to like events or something. Just like if there's a SR or like a saga rare and like one per six box and it goes for ridiculous price. And it also happens to be a, the meta card. It'll be All real right. tough. It'll be yeah. a hard bullet to bite. The artwork also has a lot of potential here because a lot of the artwork we've already seen reminds me a lot of like Epic Mickey, and I love the yeah. art style of those games. Yeah. The artwork so, is very good on the cards so far. And I was I really, gonna, really like the art style. That's the thing I want to say is the artwork looks fantastic. The card detailing, like the the layout, looks nice. Mm-hmm. But I like that they didn't just uh, use like pre-existing art screen caps. They, they are literally yeah. like art that they made. You could tell they made this art specific. Well, maybe not specifically for the game. But it's at least art that they haven't used already for something else. It's, it's, it's not it's a screenshot not, from Steamboat Willie. You know? yeah. that's, why, that's why you're going to get your collectors. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, so I, I totally I agree. It a lot. Um, Kevin, you mentioned something that I really wanted to play off of because this has been toying on my mind a little bit thinking about Lorcana this year um, and, and what it could do to the industry. You were you were talking about how you know how wide of a, a net Lord, like Disney stuff can kind of cast a little bit. One One issue that the TCG industry has had for a very long time, the TCG culture and everything is extremely male dominated, um, extremely mm. male dominated. Yes. Look, I mean, look at our podcast right here. Like I've, on, I've honestly, I've wanted a female co-host on the show for so long, but I've just never, I have, it's, I've had trouble finding women who are interested in doing this. And by the way, email me if like serious, <laughs> like seriously email me if you are, no, it's true. Um, but I, yeah. and, and because I feel like I, I do want to in some way do my part to try and help sort of reduce that, um, stigma. reduce that stigma and increase that accessibility and that relatability to, to people. Because I, 
I I think we are. I I like to believe we're in a society where we're past that necessarily being a strong gatekeeping thing that happens. There's always going to be bad apples, but I'd like to think that we're past a lot of that gatekeeping. As as we said, like the TCG industry seems to have grown significantly when we thought it was on the downturn, and and I'd like to believe that women can feel more welcome being in here. And I think Lorcana is an opportunity, a really interesting opportunity to have an IP that has a wider appeal than a lot of the IPs that end up getting used in TCGs. Um, not right. like not that there aren't women who are fans of all the things that that are already in TCGs. Absolutely not that. But just the fact that the it Disney has just that universal appeal mm-hmm. where I I I hope that it does get some more women to engage in the hobby that they were maybe feeling like they couldn't be a part of before. And then help them mm-hmm. get in and help just kind of open the doors for more women to be able to join the fold for not just Lorcana but other TCGs right. too. And yeah, even, and even e- sorry, no, you, you can. Go. <laughs> I would say e- even a younger audience like kids, like Pokemon, yeah. does a great job with like their junior divisions. But let's be real here: a lot of these games are either too complicated or they're based on things that younger kids probably aren't into. Right? I don't think there's a lot of. I mean, I'm sure there's some, but there's not a lot of ten year olds, you know, running around, you know, talking about One Piece and everything. But something like Disney, that can and like if you get that younger audience in there and you get them acclimated to card games, and then they become like we were when we were younger, then they become card game players for the rest of their life, right? And you expand the field, as it were. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, I, that's the, capturing the kid market is part of the reason I think it will be a success regardless. Just because, unless the game is just like absolutely garbage, but they're you know they're still a board game company, so at the very least they're they're not comp- like specifically good at making card games, but they know game mechanics and what is fun and what isn't. So they're I'm right. guessing they're going to make at least a decent card game at the like minimum. And getting kids in are going to be great because part of the reason that Pokemon is even in the top three is you know one of the biggest three is because. It literally like devoured all the children, including <laughs> probably all of us, and like mommy, indoctrinated mommy, them into this. And there's, Every... there's so many kids that even that don't even play or don't even know that it is a game that are like, don't I want know. Pokemon Listen, cards. They don't I, get it. I didn't play it when I when I first started when it first came out. I don't know a single person who did back yeah. like way back when. I was one of the ones who played it. I was like, I was like, I want to play this game. And everyone just wanted to like collect them or whatever. But all of my nephews have gone through Pokemon phases. Um, some of them have gone out of it, which is fine. And every time they would get into it and they'd be like, all they wanted to do is like, look at who had the bigger HP number and be like, yeah, mine's better. Or that's <laughs> that's literally what they did. Um, yeah, yeah. And I only had like one who like finally was like, Hey, how do you play this game? And then I played a game. I played a game with him and he like crushed me. Cause I was using some like old deck and he like just had new cars. I got like super dominated, but um, yeah, that was before I was I started like streaming Pokemon and getting more used to like the newer set of cards too. But like, yeah, it was, it's, it's a thing for kids. Right. And Lorcana, I totally agree. Like women, younger audience, hopefully just like, you know, everyone in between hopefully can feel more welcome getting into a game like that where it has a nice, you know, a, a very, just, just a very all around universal IPs that people can see Mm -hmm. and relate to and get to. Like I'm personally, I'm pumped. I want Moana cards. Moana is my favorite Mm. Disney movie. Um, I, I, 
can't exactly explain why I love the music in it the most. I think that's one of the main reasons, but um, mm-hmm. I, I love that. And I'm going to be as soon, as soon as they spoil anything from Moana, I'm going to be like excited about that in particular. I, yeah. I can't and, wait till we see a Hades card. And yeah. kind of before we get too far away from it uh, on the, the topic of more women being active in it, I are, I know it's going to be great because there's already a handful of my friends that are deep into card games that have wives or significant others or sisters that aren't terribly into card games, but they're huge Disney fans and they're into mm. card games enough to where they'd want to play card game or board game, you know, with their significant other, their friends. And this Villainous is like a perfect, yeah. a perfect storm for it. Cause they're going to be like, I love Disney. I moderately like games. It's an excuse to do stuff with X person. I'm mm-hmm. in. Like, totally. My wife, yeah. And do you know That's who a- publishes Villainous? Yeah, I was going to say, they're the same it's Ravensburger. Who, who published Oh, there really you go. Yeah. So they have that uh, connection. That's and, another good point. I didn't even think about parents playing with their kids. That could yeah. be a huge thing, too. Yeah. Family we, game we night have um, become family card slinging. Family we have, tournament we, night. Our generation <laughs> is actually really unique here. I mean, all of us are in a fairly similar generation here where, you know, we grew up with Pokemon first coming out and, and Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic being fairly new at, at different stages. Everyone got into different things at different points. Um, but we grew up and now we're at the point where a lot of our generation has kids. But, mm-hmm. you know, like like I say every time I talk about this, like you don't quit a game like Magic. You just take a hiatus for a while. And a lot of yeah. these people have had kids are like, ooh, you know, Magic looks fun or Yu-Gi-Oh looks fun or I'm going to play some Pokemon or whatever. I bet my kid would like Pokemon. And mm-hmm. then start showing these these games to kids. And Lorcana is a great excuse for our exact demographic who yeah. just are getting kids. Some of some of our demographic are just having kids who are at that like preteen uh, age where it's the like this is the we perfect we played time. Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, the age we were when we started playing those games. Exactly, the perfect time to go. Hey, why don't we try playing this game together? I bet you'll like it. Right. Um, and another thing is, I think our generation is really the first generation to not have any qualms as they get older about still liking the things that they like. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah that that's well, been a big thing in our generation too. Definitely. Like like look at Mike. Look at Mike right now. <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah look at me too you know yeah yep rooms full of pop figures and goku pictures and stuff the kind of stuff that our our parents did not have uh, for sure i don't think my parents had a goku poster in their uh in their <laughs> right. poster apartment or whatever well, back then so. but yeah it's like th- there was a stigma with like our parents generation where it was like you know leave the childish things behind you're an they didn't adult like to ha- they didn't like to have fun that's what it was no. <laughs> yeah they're boring we're cool <laughs> well also i think it was you know like i said a, a stigma right you know it was like but there, our generation doesn't care about that right and it's like everyone watches anime everyone goes see marvel movies right it's like yeah. you know not not to get like too completely out of the topic of tcgs but but you know there are also like there's technological advancements and there's also cultural events that occurred that that established sort of what people were doing at the time and the fact that like you didn't have anime like it wasn't a thing like i don't know maybe maybe if anime was a thing back then then our all the boomers would have been like yeah of course you watch dragon ball it's like the best <laughs> like yeah, i don't like know speed racer right yeah yeah like you know it's it just it's it's been like the internet and everything that's like just caused 
uh, a lot of people with these niche hobbies to find other like-minded individuals and be able to enjoy them for a longer period of time and everything. So, um, yeah, Lorcana. So I think Lorcana is, um, I'm definitely interested to watch it. We have to see how Ravensburger does with it too. It's like, it's that whole, like, they're not a TCG publisher. How are they going to handle like organized play and stuff? Are they going to like push it a lot? But I think the bar is low. And I think the potential gain for the industry is actually very high too. So right. I, I think it's a great thing that it's coming out. I'm really excited just to see how it performs. Disney organized play just sounds like the craziest thing, right? Like those are words that are actually <laughs> going to mean something. That's a, that is a, that is a sentence that's been said and yeah, like wild. <laughs> we'll see what that means. Um, so, okay. Those are a lot of the like games coming out next year that we're excited about before. I mean, we're already at three hours, guys. <laughs> but so <laughs> let's just talk about real quick. Cause we have mentioned a number of these things, Mike t- Dragon Ball, super digital go. Uh, super excited going to expand the game tremendously. Great for marketing. Um, I'm going to drag Jordan in it. Uh, Kicking. Come on, Jordan. Come on. Come I'm going to play some going to kiss me. When it comes out, I'm going to play it. I'm going to get. I'm going to give it a go for sure. And a lot of people will. A lot of a lot of potential. A lot of people said it wasn't going to happen. Um, it it, it finally did. They figured out the like. It just shows the amount of resources, time, and money that Bandai spent putting into their card games, and just nothing but positivity for the future. I can't wait. Oh, and then wait, the other quick thing I'll mention: and they revamped the judge program. Bandai did just yes just released they literally so before there was no judge program officially quote unquote they just came mm-hmm. out working with play tcg and um yeah each uh bandai card game got they call him a tier zero judge and uh yep david flash right uh, obviously it's fash binder for super uh, yep absolutely. yeah it yeah. could have been anyone else i mm-hmm. had to send them the zero and mega man like waving me <laughs> but yeah, i'm actually gonna be Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Nope, you're good. You're good. No, I was to say, I'm actually going to be taking my judge test for one piece really soon, and I'm excited about that. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to. I will be a Battle Spirits judge. Let's go. Yeah. yeah well, you better keep an eye on it, Dan, because I will. Each one of us will be a different game. Jordan's going to be a Digimon. Oh, oh, no. Mike's. Mike's I'm super, a, right? I'll so do Union. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Finally, the last thing they fixed, we went over it during the podcast, the Dragon Ball Super podcast and Digimon. I don't want to say fixed, but major updates is uh, they updated the Bandai TCG app. And it looks like they're partnering with Play TCG on it. And uh, a lot of the broken English stuff being that was trying to, like, that's cleaned up. Um, is it still, like, the best app? No. But seeing the improvements and everything they've done i mean yeah the, the judge program the bandai tcg app being fixed dragon ball super having the digital card game and digimon players get ready i would not be surprised if this dragon ball super goes off really well digimon i can see anything happening so. I don't know why Mike keeps entering an aquarium yeah. but he, yeah, he for <laughs> anyone who couldn't understand that he was he was what? saying that what? Uh, what? digimon what? is probably what? next for digital yeah. Crap, what did you not understand? I, well, no, we got it. Digimon's, I agree. I think Digimon digital version is right behind Dragon Ball Super. Um, I, Digimon's and returning to the digital world. I, hey. I think 
I think if they can pull this off and if it does well, I think you're going to see digital platforms for all Bandai games um, that right. exist by the time they can make a digital platform for it, which is probably going to be all of them. Yes. Um, so I, I think, like I said, we're going to be looking back here and being like Bandai was just getting started. I think I really think they're they're really going after things. I think they've seen the success of some of their other card games and they're and they understand that there is a market here for them and they are here to take advantage of it. So we're going to keep seeing more stuff like that. And and but the, the great news is, Mike, like all of these things you did mention in our look back podcast are getting, you know, are getting addressed as well. The yeah. except for the release frequency that Jordan is very sad about, um, yeah. which might right. continue to get worse, given that if you look at games like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic, the release schedule is horrific compared to smaller card games. Yeah. Um, speaking of other card games, uh, let's let's just do a quick hits here. So Magic the Gathering has a packed year coming, obviously. I probably didn't need to say it, but it's true. Um, Magic does have a number of very cool planes coming to, uh, or sets and, and planes and story stuff coming in the next year. We're, we're already getting spoilers for Phyrexia, All Will Be One, um, which is a very exciting set where they're actually, do, like lore-wise, they're doing some interesting stuff. They're, it's a, this is another set that's bringing back poison and infect. So if you love that mechanic, oh baby, it's time for alternate win con city. Let's go. Um, Poison is if you get 10 poison counters, you lose the game. So uh, the new mechanic is toxic, which adds poison counters when you take damage. So now you're going to take both damage and poison counters and you can win either way, which is great. Um, And then in addition to having a set with a bunch of counters on it, there's a bunch of planeswalkers and with a bunch of planeswalkers, there's proliferate, which is a favorite mechanic for people who love making numbers bigger because that's all it is about doing. You're putting more counters on all your stuff. More importantly, um, you're putting more poison counters on people. And you're putting more poison counters on your opponent, yes. And mm-hmm. uh, specifically lore-wise, like I mentioned, a bunch of Planeswalkers are becoming completed in this set, which is effectively they're... Uh, I mean, I bet they're going to come up with a way to like bring them back or something, but they're going, they're they're becoming zombie evil Phyrexian versions of, of themselves. So um, this has been happening slowly in some of the other sets. We saw Tamiyo and Kamigawa become completed. We saw Ajani in Dominari United become completed. Um, and now we've, we have some leaks that look like of some very well-known planeswalkers, uh, a particular, well, I guess I'm just not going to spoil it for people, but if you know some very well-known Planeswalkers, you could probably guess at some of them, but we, um, I believe we we have a confirmation of a few that haven't been completed as well. So there's going to be a bunch of Planeswalkers in the set, some of which are in zombie form and some of which are not, um, which is uh, which is going to be kind of exciting. And then beyond that, we have some interesting returns. Returning to Eldraine for everyone who liked that absolutely broken set that came out two years ago. Um, Wilds of Eldraine is coming later this year after we kind of finish our whole little Phyrexia arc. Um, and then a return to Ixlon, which is like my least favorite plane ever. But I know some people really like jamming pirates and dinosaurs together. And that's what that plane is. Oh, with <laughs> with um, Conquistador vampires for some Ooh. reason. <laughs> It's, it's a weird plane. Um, so yeah, that's my quick hits on what's coming for magic. I mean, that's, you know, I think it's going to be a cool year for magic, but it, it always is kind of a year full. Oh, we're going to get the Lord of the Rings set at some point. It might be this year. I'm mm. not sure. That's going to be a big thing for people to watch out for too. Right. Um, does, uh, does anyone have any game they want to talk about? 
I would be remiss if I did not mention as the founder of the Android 21 group that I yes. was so excited. We finally got confirmation that we are getting more Android 21 cards in DBS next year. And it's going to be the same set that has the collector's boosters. So there is probably going to be some really sick looking 21 cards. And I am so excited and so happy. My wallet is going to be on fire. Yes, it will. Because collector's boosters are a thing that's coming to DBS. And it is basically straight ripped off of Magic's collector booster strategy, which is their $20, 20-ish dollar packs that are like mm-hmm. all foil. And um, in Magic, that's how you can get extended art foils and a higher chance of getting borderless foils. And sometimes very special cards like serialized cards and stuff are only in collector's boosters in Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, DBS has done a great job. Like Bandai's doing a great job of just like looking at what works and doing like, okay, we can do that too. Yeah. Um, and that's what they're doing here. And we'll see how well it works for them. I think it will, though. I think it'll pay off really well. And although, again, just like Magic did, they'll probably iterate it on, on it a little bit. Um, this probably won't be the final form of collector boosters. And you'll see them start to maybe slip some more um, wild versions of cards in their collector versions right. as they go on, just like Magic's been doing. And I mentioned it briefly before, but next year we're getting a Chainsaw Man set for Weiss. Chainsaw Man is one of my favorite series ever. I started reading the manga when it first came out a couple of years ago. There's going to be an SSP signature power card and I need to have it. (laughs) Yep. 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 SS like those SSPs and Y sets are, are collector magnets. They're like, if Mm -hmm. you, they just look so nice all the time. So um, yeah. Uh, Good luck, Kevin. I I hope you're probably going to buy a case. It'll be the first time I've ever done it, but I think I might do it for chainsaw man. Wow. (laughs) Nice. You didn't even do that for hollow life. I didn't know. I tried, but they were really hard to get. Yeah, they're they're like I've I've seen them everywhere now. Lots of I think they they did another print run of them at some point, and they became a lot more accessible, um, mm-hmm. which is which is good. Um, anyone have any other quick hits for TCGs? Want to talk? Like I can't really talk about Yu Gi Oh other than we're going to become a Speed Duel channel next year. So look out for that. Yeah, let's um, go. Everything's gone. Just Speed Duel from now on. Um, Pokemon's got a bunch. Oh, actually, no, we can talk about Pokemon. Pokemon's interesting because Scarlet and Violet. Violet. Yeah, Scarlet yeah. and Violet sets are coming out next year. Um, the best change ever announced for Pokemon in Scarlet and Violet's first set. Mm-hmm. Yellow borders are gone. Silver borders are in. Let's Universal, go. Universal, baby. Let's go, mm-hmm. baby. I've been waiting for this. Yellow border it, is the classic. The yellow border looks like trash compared to the <laughs> silver border. Japanese when, cards look so much nicer. That's just how it is. That's because they have that beautiful, beautiful silver border. And also, when that Scarlet and Violet set comes out, I'm going to need a play set of the full art foil Professor Sada card. <laughs> of course you will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's totally up your alley. I get it. Some of us are some of us are Turo fans, but you know that's all right too. Um, and also in the Scarlet and Violet series, they're bringing back EX Pokemon, uh, which mm-hmm. haven't been seen for a little bit. So um, that's going to be interesting. Is, v and Gigantamax are out. V, v and V Max, sorry, are out right. and EX are back in. So Pokemon just Pokemon is continuing to do its thing of like we're changing things by making them basically the same as they were before. Just there you go. It's like ever a circle. so slightly different. Yeah, or Pokemon does follow this development circle. That's one thing I would like. To, I would I would love if Pokemon took more risks, but they know what works, and that's right. the works. It works. Yep. It's yep. Ekans eating its own tail. 
Yeah, I do. I do think if I'm going to take like sort of a philosophical stance, I would love to see the the art form that is game design be explored more by Pokemon. But that's not that's not their game. That's just what that's what other we leave that to other companies, I guess, to explore that. Right. Oh, man. Um, Well, if if uh, if everyone is pretty much well, well done discussing 2023, I can wrap this up. Does anyone have any last quick hits for us? Um. What's that, Mike? Huh? You're in an aquarium. I'm gonna go get some tacos. I'm hungry. Oh, all right, tacos. Yeah, yeah. Sounds I, good. I got a sub waiting for me. Yeah. I do have one. I do have one last thing I'd like to say, though. Go for it. Um, I, I I didn't mention this to either of you guys, and typically I don't like talking about things like this very early because I have a bad habit of not finishing things that I start. But I've already done some work on this. And we were talking about like Kickstarter games earlier before. I am very, very, I'm going to make this clear, early in the process of developing my own card game. Oh, nice. That I've okay. been thinking about for a long time and that I've already have a basic rule set up. I'm starting to get people together to do some play testing and everything. I would love if you guys would join when the time comes, but I'm not saying that I'll have a Kickstarter up in 2023. That might be too soon, but um, I'm not going to say anything about like what it is, how it plays, what it's based around or anything, but I just wanted to get it out there. Also kind of like personal accountability for myself to just yeah. have it out there. But yeah. I'm very, I'm very excited to see what I can do with that. I'm, it's something I've been excited about that I haven't been in a very long time. Well, Kevin, you know you have our full support with it. I wish you the best of luck with it, and we are here for you to provide any feedback or testing you need over time. And yeah, of course, you. the listeners of the Main Deck Podcast here are going to personally hold you accountable for this. Please yeah. do. I'm dead serious. Please do. <laughs> and, and when you send Dan a, a pack to test out, make sure you put in a little note that says, I can guarantee you're going to love this game. <laughs> guarantee <laughs> it. Yeah, that guarantee for Arch Legends did not pan out, man. Let me tell you. That was... I'm going to have to um, develop some kind of kissing me promo card. I were nine. Yeah, nine something like that. Jordan, any last hits for us before we close this out here? I can't think of anything. I you got all like your digital card games out? I feel like there's something out there that I'm just forgetting about. Yeah, we probably are forgetting about something. But, you know, that's what happens oh, when absolutely. you get three hours into Lord, a podcast of absolute nonsense. Dairy Queen doesn't close yet. You're fine. Cool. I'm pretty sure Taco Dairy Bell's Queen open. is closed where he is. Yeah, it's all oh, no, no. midnight. All right. All right. We're devolving. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. This was a very, I think an intriguing look forward to 2023, if a bit long, but I hope you guys enjoyed this super, super jumbo sized episode of the main deck podcast. I wish you all the best new year possible in 2023. I don't want to jinx anything, but um, I do think in 2023, we're looking forward to a very exciting new year of lots of new card games and lots of old card games bringing, bringing out their, you know, putting their best foot forward and bringing out some of their best stuff. Um, so I personally can't wait 
Um, we've had a crazy December here with a crazy amount of podcast episodes. So if you're still, just, maybe it's probably like March when you're finally getting to this one. And you're like, oh, okay, interesting. <laughs> so like at that point, maybe some of these TCGs have even released. We've been playing them, but um, I hope you guys are enjoying your new year. If it is the new year for you already. And I hope that your new year is bright and full of lots and lots of TCG fun with all your friends and family. So thank you guys so much for listening to the main deck podcast this year and this episode Um, and we will see you guys in a whole bunch of new wonderful episodes for the main deck podcast in 2023 you guys have a great night a happy new year and we'll see you next time bye Bye, everybody